shotglassdigital.com. Summer movie season is over, then it went out with a bang. It's Guardians Week here in the Goliverse, and we're talking all about Guardians of the Galaxy with our good friend Eris Schoenweiss, who's come back with us. All this and more on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you on this awesome, awesome mix of an episode, if you will. I'm super excited to talk some Guardians of the Galaxy Night with our special guest, all the way from uh, Penguin Random House, Del Rey, whatever it is, publishing. <laughs> He, he's updated his Skype. He's ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the show Erish Schoenweiss. Erish, welcome, sir. I'm hooked on a feeling. Boom, What's boom. What's up, Steve? Man, how's it going? It's good to talk it's, to you again, sir. It's great to talk to you, man. I'm glad. I'm excited. I am, too. I'm glad to have you back on. I, You know, I was... Uh, we had you on for Godzilla, as everyone who listens knows, and Godzilla was a mixed bag for me. Um, but this... I think we're both on the same page, and it's just going to be one of those great gush fests tonight. Oh, yeah. Total thumbs I'm, up. I'm really looking forward to it. and want to pick your brain about some things and, and, and just get into uh, this movie, this Guardians of the Galaxy thing, um, as we roll around. It is Guardians Week here in the Goliverse. We talked a little bit of Guardians on Know What I'm Saying, which a lot of people don't know was recorded this past weekend. It'll be out later this week. And then last night on our music show, Rock Out Loud, we uh, we walked through the soundtrack and um, and just kind of talked about how it fit into the movie and the character that the soundtrack uh, was in this movie. So check those out in iTunes, your favorite podcatcher of choice, and uh, help support the Goliverse. Thanks to everyone who supports us through Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Uh, this week's featured supporter from the Goliverse Wall of Fame is Brian Beatty, the human bullet. Brian can propel himself at great speeds and upon impact cause an explosion from energy swirling in his body. He, of course, remains unscathed in the process. This is Brian Beatty, the human bullet, goal supporter. Uh, you can check out the entire Goliverse Wall of Fame at geekoutonline.com. Dot com geekoutonline.com and we do thank you guys so much who are supporting us through patreon at patreon.com slash geek out loud now Erish, before we get rolling 
yeah. this isn't in the notes, but I want to I want to ask you something. We're about to jump into a few emails, most of which are going to be pertaining to Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I'm I'm coming to the table assuming that you are a comic book reader from back in the day at least. I am, but I didn't read Guardians back okay. in the day. Were you a- I, I'm I'm all up to date on the current run of Guardians and it's actually one of my favorite books right now. Oh yeah. But um the the older incarnations oh, of Guardians yeah. I, I for whatever reason I just you know, they never fell in my lap. Right. So uh wasn't well, my thing. Well it was the nineties. Um <laughs> Oh man, I started reading in the eighties. Oh yeah, me too. I'm just saying the 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 Guardian series that came about in the 90s, they, they'd been yeah. floating around. I, I forget when they were introduced. I think I read somewhere where they were introduced in like a, a Marvel superhero team-up type book uh, back in the late, mid-late 70s. I have an Avengers comic um, that's part of what was called the Corvac Quest. <laughs> um, do you remember that at all? No. Uh, that had That featured those guys. They were all from the future. But I was around, man, when that comic book launched. That launched around the same time as uh, the New Warriors and Quasar. I read plenty of New Warriors. I hear Night Thrasher, <laughs> Firestar. Oh yeah, well, Speedball. Yes. Nova. Oh my gosh, Speedball, man, was something else. He was he was a character. I remember his debut was in a, it was in an Amazing Spider-Man annual. Uh, that was the the crossover. See, I was a huge Marvel freak back in the day, Erish. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to get my cred laid out there for everybody, <laughs> so that they'll know when I start talking some of this Guardian stuff. Because there are some obscure Easter eggs that just I got super excited about in this thing. But um, were you more Marvel or DC back in the day, or did or did it matter to you? Uh, well, my gateway comic was GI Joe. That's oh, uh, that's what got me started. Larry Hammer. Yep, and it's still my favorite comic of all time. Man, um, and then from that, uh, I was I was heavy heavy into Batman. Okay, all right. Um, starting with Death in the Family, and for years on after that, read like all the Bat books, um, and then uh, Iron Man and Daredevil and Spider Man were okay. my big were my big Marvel books and X-Men. Oh, yes. Tons of X-Men. Were comics. you were you in, um, of course, I don't know how ru- long his run lasted. I know Chris Claremont came in and like changed the face of X-Men. I, I kind of came in at the end of yeah. the Claremont stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, the Jim Lee, Wilts Portacio. Oh, okay. You know, okay, that, yeah. the books that they were on. Um, yep. You know, Mutant Massacre mm-hmm. was kind of when I, I that, those are some of the first X-Men books I picked up. Okay, okay. Um, but, uh, but Daredevil, Iron Man and Spider-Man were definitely my favorites. Who was, uh, do you remember who was writing Daredevil in the, in the time that you were really into it? Uh, Ann Nocenti, is that how you pronounce yeah, her last yeah, name? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know if you jumped in on some I'm of the... Huge, huge fan of her run. On okay. It. Just really good stuff. I didn't know if you jumped in on some of the Frank Miller stuff or... I, I or have maybe. some of it, mm-hmm. but... You know, it was kind of hit and miss, like what I could find in the in the bins and stuff. I've got um, I've got tucked away in a long box somewhere. Um, you know, Frank Miller is once again back on everybody's radar with Sin well, City, Sin City two coming out. Yeah, Sin City two coming and uh, two weeks whenever. And the footage um, from Comic Con of the Batman Superman stuff. 
Yeah. You know, um, but I have somewhere a Marvel team up that was the thing, and um, because Marvel team up wasn't I think it was Marvel team up that was always the thing and someone else, and I want to say it was like the thing and Nick Fury and the the agents not the agents of shield but the the people who were protecting project pegasus at the time and right. that and that was a book that it was done by frank miller and it doesn't look anything like frank miller you know i mean he was full-on doing things in the marvel style in, in this era, and it's just really it's, it's one of those throwbacks um i've actually um like the last couple months I, all my comics have been stored away in long boxes mm-hmm. at my sister's place out in the pa out in pennsylvania and She's at the point where she wants him out of her house. Nice. So uh, <laughs> my brother-in-law and I, between the two of us, just probably, I don't know, between five and 10,000 comics in that house, something like that. And the two of us have been going through and cataloging all of our books and stuff. And uh, it's, been, it's been some long weekends just, you know, sitting over long boxes and stuff. Yes. But it's been really cool, like, flipping back and, like, getting excited over – stuff that I read and remembered and also feeling a little like, Oh, I can't believe I was reading this stuff back then. Um, <coughs> dark Hawk. Uh, <laughs> yes, dark Hawk. <laughs> um, Oh, that but, was, like, listen. I found some real gems. Like I have a first printing of star Wars. Number one. Oh my in, gosh. Like, really sweet condition that wow. I completely, I don't know how I forgot that I had this. Wow. But I just found that and was like, wow this is awesome and of course my nephews are like how much is it worth like you know can we buy a car and I'm yeah. like, no <laughs> no no but it is priceless to you yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's the thing but you know that actually depending on that thing was reprinted so many times and it's so funny to look and see how to identify which reprint it is mm-hmm. um and uh and depending on which one it is you know you you can buy a pretty sweet toy car yeah, um, that that Marvel that Marvel Star Wars number one does actually go for a nice little penny. I was surprised the other day. The first comic that I ever had um, that I kept, uh, you know, began a collection with was Hulk two seventy one, and it is it's not the first appearance, but it's like the second appearance of Rocket. Oh, really? And um, and it's never been of any value to anyone. But I saw on eBay the other day where it's well, like it going now. for yeah, it's going for triple digits right now, and I'm like. Do I part with it? Do I not? Because of what I've got, the one I've got is in really good shape. Yeah. And uh, and so it's it's um, I was well, like, oh, who knew this would ever pay off? If you're gonna part with it, now's the time to do yeah, it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, anyhow, yeah, I what, have uh, I have first appearance of Apocalypse. Oh my so, gosh! And, and I have two copies of it because that was back in the day when my dad was like, you buy two copies. One to read and one to put away so you can sell it when you're older. Wow. Um, wow. So, uh, you know, I'm excited about that. My so. my dad was just always like, why are you buying these? You know, you just have to buy it next month to see what happens. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know. My dad was not supportive of the, <laughs> of the habit at all. <laughs> oh, but, dude, I loved... I, I was a... I was a Marvel kid, and I'll tell you why. Because Superman is like my favorite superhero of all time, which is really weird that I would turn out to be a Marvel kid, except that when I started really collecting comics was right around the era that John Byrne was writing Man of Steel, like the whole Man of Steel thing, the relaunch. Just, I have some of those. Just yeah. post-crisis. And there's that one book that the co- at the end, the, the last page of the book is a splash page of Superman and Wonder Woman kissing. 
And I don't remember that. Yeah, and 10 or 11-year-old Steve picks it up in a comic shop, kind of thumbs to the back, sees that, and he's like, nope. I was just like, no, this is not right. They don't know. that For whatever reason, DC is ruining Superman. Now, I've never <laughs> read a Superman comic to that point in my life. I just knew that I loved Superman from the movie and from the Super Friends and such as. And I was like, this is, I will not read DC. And I'm telling you, dude, for the next few years of my life, I just didn't read DC. And I completely got into Marvel. And uh, Fantastic Four was my cocaine. Man, I love some Fantastic Four back in the day. The, the mutant stuff, I'm, I think I've got a little hipster in me because everyone was into the X-Men. I'm just like, ah, I'm kind of over the X-Men. I just kind of got tired of hearing about it, even, even in the 80s when I was collecting. And, um, and so I never jumped on the, uh, the X-Men. But, man, Fantastic Four, The Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man, uh, some of the Avengers stuff. I wasn't a hardcore Avengers collector. Um, but I'd bounce around based on who was into, you know, who was guest starring in a, in a comic here or there. Right. And, um, and I, and I, and, and I recently, last year I went back through and was kind of recataloging some stuff and I was surprised at what I had. I was like, oh my gosh, I remember buying this and I'd totally forgotten that I'd bought this. And, and, uh, and eBay one, I went on a big binge one time several years ago on eBay just to get some classic, classic stuff, you know, like some first appearances of the Abomination and, right. you know, Hulk versus Thing stuff, because I always loved those two fighting and went broke for a few months. And <laughs> it's like, but it's totally <laughs> worth it. <laughs> um, so anyhow, a uh, little sidebar there. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm saying all that to say this, man. I'm so anxious to just start talking about this movie. But first, as always, uh, we're going to jump into a few emails. As always, we take a look at what you guys have to say here to us. And we start with this one from... Uh, Alicia Pettit. We call her the Admiral. She says, Oh my Atlanta. Just saw Guardians of the Galaxy and loved it, loved it, loved it. Wait for it. Loved it. <laughs> that said, I was hoping you, as someone who has read the Guardians of the Galaxy comics, could explain something to me and the rest of the non-comic book readers. What's up with the Nova Corps and Ronan? I get that there was a war between the Nova Corps and the Kree, but Ronan seems to be the only one that couldn't let it go. Is there a backstory in the comics to explain him wanting to destroy everything? Or is this something they changed for the movie? Also, I have to share my geek out moment. Someone in the theater was wearing an Infinity Gauntlet, and I pointed this out to my brother. I then tried to explain what it was, and he just gave me that, what are you talking about face? And I said, did I just out-geek you? It was a proud moment. And then she puts a question mark. <laughs> so I think I was able to out-geek my brother due to the Geek Out Loud t-shirt I was wearing. T-shirt plug. Like Thor's hammer, I was found worthy and gained Steve's geek knowledge and crushed my foe with this knowledge. Moral of this story is, go buy a Geek Out Loud t-shirt. And that comes from the Admiral. Ronan the Accuser was something that I was completely surprised by being in this movie, Eris, because he was originally, his introduction was in Fantastic Four. And I kind, okay. and I kind of assumed that the, the Kree and the Scroll because of the whole Silver Surfer deal, the Fantastic Four deal, were kind of over at Fox. 
uh, when it comes to the comes to the movie stuff. But um, but I know the scrolls are with the Fantastic Four, but the career apparently right smack dab in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, and Ronan the Accuser is a big part of that. Um, did you are, do you know anything well, about him? Um, not a whole lot. My, you know, the the recent big uh, that kind of big Infinity story that Marvel had running in the Avengers books mm-hmm. and everything with that whole all whole all-out galactic warfare ronan played pretty sizable role in that but my familiarity with him isn't uh isn't that strong outside of the movie yeah he is uh to answer alicia's question we'll get into it as we as we start talking the movie at least in this movie the way he's portrayed is just one of these uh militant um radicals who just won't let it go you know, he feels like he was wronged, and, and his and his people were wronged, and he was, and he was basically engineered to be, for lack of a better term, almost a Kree super soldier, and uh, and his whole deal was the Kree will rule again. You know, I get he's kind of like the Southerner that can't let it go of the Kree universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has like a whole kind of core, doesn't he? Sort of like for lack of uh, trying to find a better way to describe them, like a whole group of like Imperial uh, guardsmen. Yeah, he, sort of yeah he, he? He, he did. Now, in this movie, they were actually using Sakaaran warriors, which we'll talk about as, as right. we get into some of the but Easter in the comics, he's in the got com- like his yeah, own yeah, it's, core. Yeah, it's almost like he is, um, he's got his own militia that, that goes around with him. And, and, um, and he answers to the supreme intelligence, yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the comics, you know, the Kree are always a little bit iffy in the comics as it is. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it, you know, they took some liberties, but you know, we'll talk about in a little bit how they're going to take some more liberties, but it just worked. Yeah. I, I think, I think his whole, his whole gimmick in, in the movie was the idea of, I just can't let it go. I can't let it go that we're not, we're not around. Um, who S. Kim chimes in and says, Steve, being my resident Marvel guy, I have a question. Now that we know what or who is coming for the Avengers in the near future, uh, what about the Infinity Stones? We've seen what the Ether can do. We've seen what kind of power the Tesseract has. And some of us have seen the third stone's power. He's referring to uh, the Infinity Stone in Guardians. My question for you, Steve, is are there, uh, are there six stones in the Marvel Universe? Does this number differ from the comics? Uh, is it correct that each of the Infinity Stones have their own power, like the Ether and Thor, the Dark World? Um, I'm trying. I, I was trying to remember. I wanted to make sure that I answered this right because I really got into the whole Infinity. Uh, gaunt- I, the last I remember really interacting was during the Infinity Gauntlet storyline back in the early '90s, when um, when Thanos did get his hands on it. Um, and so I had to cheat a little bit here, but there are six stones, um, in the comics. There's the mind gem, the reality gem, the power gem, the space gem, the time gem, and the soul gem. Uh, James Gunn has confirmed that what we saw in Guardians is the power stone. Okay. Um, uh, a lot of people are trying to, you know, figure out what the Tesseract and the ether would be. I think the ether is kind of the... I think the ether is the space gem, either the space or the time gem. 
And and I think that the Tesseract, just based on the fact that it's based off, off of a cosmic cube, would be the reality gem. And, and that makes sense to me. And some people are saying that the, the stone in Loki's staff is an infinity stone. And in that case, I think it would either be the soul gem or the mind gem. So that's, yeah, there you go, Woo. <laughs> but we have seen three, and I don't know, I don't know how they're referring to them other than the ether, the Tesseract, and now this was the first one that was blatantly called. I guess it was in Thor the Dark World the Aether was called, but this was the first one they blatantly started talking about the Infinity Stones. Well, it, it's... I mean, the Avengers characters wouldn't know what an Infinity Stone is. Right, right. Um, you know, so it, it's possible that they're just not familiar with them. Oh, yeah. I, well, I didn't even think about that. There was no one to come along and tell them, hey, guys, here's what you have here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really, it was Loki and Loki and Thor who yeah. were kind of familiar with what it was. So, Yeah, I didn't even think that's... Well, stupid Steve, they don't know what's going on. <laughs> so hope that helps you out there, Woo. Um, I do think they're going to do six. Yeah, well, I mean, they got time. And, and I wouldn't be surprised... My guess, I don't think we'll see one in Avengers 2. No. Unless, you know, they take, uh, unless there's a big kind of sub-story that, that's not about Ultron. But um, I think certainly the Doctor Strange movie. Yes, yes. We'd see one, and I think that's a logical place to see one. Indeed, I agree. Um, because, you know, who knows what he might find in one of the, the outer realms or something like that. I wonder if he'll, um, well, I mean, and you could even end up with something doing with the crossroads of infinity with Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's true. Now, they could end up identifying that stone. See, because we saw at the end of Captain America, we saw Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch being held by, um, uh, not Baron Zemo, uh, Baron Von Strucker. Right. And he had what appeared to be Loki's staff. That would be interesting. Hooked up to something. So I'm wondering if there might be something at the beginning, like, you know... um, I just think that if it was in Loki's staff, Loki would have been using it a lot more. He would have known what he had. Yeah, you would think so. See, I always assumed that Loki's staff was created from just some energy from the Tesseract itself. Like, I always felt like those two things were connected somehow. But right. He, but he did show up on Earth with it. So it's... Yeah. It's a conundrum. It's a it's a mystery to me. Um, it's part of the fun of seeing yeah, where oh they're going to go with all Yes. It, and that's the thing. It has been so much fun. It's been so much fun. Uh, Karun Pandur chimes in. He says, Hello there, Steve. We are Groot. Okay, seriously, how great <laughs> was this movie? When this when first this movie was announced, I just thought Marvel had earned too much money and couldn't figure out where to spend it. And then I saw the trailer to find that I actually liked it. I like the ensemble Marvel put together for Guardians of the Galaxy, all the actors. I was astonished at how well Batista was able to show some real emotion on screen. Groot started out as sort of Jar Jar Binks character? But they branched out his character before he could get boring. See what I did there? Mm, I do see, and that was rough. Uh, a prosthetic leg with Rocket was priceless, but that drunk Rocket scene actually caught me by surprise. Darn you, Marvel. You made me care about a talking raccoon. Rocket by far was my favorite character, followed by Groot. I want to know how much Vin Diesel got paid for this movie, though. How much can you possibly earn for one line? <laughs> well, he did it in several different ways, and he also recorded the several different languages. 
So and and he is Vin Diesel. So that's right. I, I'm sure whether it was money up front or a percentage of the back, you know, he's getting his money. Yes. Sadly, though, this movie showcases what DC's Green Lantern should have been. Anyway, really excited to see more of Thanos. Do what's that? Uh, I was just yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a great point. I was hoping there would be something Ultron-related in the post-credit sequence, but Marvel just won't budge on the Avengers front. Thanks for messing up my schedule, by the way. Following the Indian Standard Time, I wake up at 4 a.m. to listen to Goal Live, which means I head straight to college after the podcast is done and sleep right after college so as to not miss the next episode. You know it's a podcast, and you can download it at any time. It's on demand. Um, But it's always fun to be part of the Zoo Crew and listen to you while working out. Congrats on the 100th episode. And here's hoping you have a lifespan greater than rockets. And that's from Curran. Um, P.S. He says, Crystal Beth is a great name for a kid. I don't know what that's about, but okay. So if down the road you need a name, Crystal Beth um, would, would be a good one. Uh, yeah, th- this has kind of been the general reaction that everyone has given this movie is just either surprised at how much they love it or qu- more and more questions that come from it to kind of, you know, um, to kind of get the discussion, to continue the discussion. This movie, I've heard people who have no idea, who, you know, who just, even peripherally, just like Marvel movies, have seen this movie and completely been into it in a major yeah. way. Um, Will chimes in, and, uh, and this would be a cool way to kind of launch into the discussion. He says, I want to bring something to the table for your Guardians episode, and I hope I'm not too late. I assume it'll be a no-holds-barred spoiler fest. You're right. So I'm going to I'm not going to try and censor my movie referencing. So here we go. When you really think about Guardians of the Galaxy, among other questions, you're left with the one of who is Star-Lord's father. Well, when I put when I put the Google to that after seeing the movie on opening day, I found out in the comics the father of Peter Quill is a guy named Eason. You're a little bit off. That's his granddad. Um, now time out. Think back to the movie. The gang is inside the collector's collection when he's explaining how these Infinity Stones work. When he was describing their power, we get an image of a really big gold guy with a big staff, and when he touches the staff to his ground, the planet he's on essentially rots. Back to my story. When you look at a picture of the old Eason, you get an image of something very familiar to that giant from the collector's montage. He looks exactly the same as the giant. The only difference is that in the movie, the giant appears to be solid gold, whereas in the comics, Eason had a very retro neon, neon green and pink color scheme. So, a loose connection, I know. Do you think Marvel is just giving a nod to the comics? Or do you think they might take off with this? Creds go to my homie Wade on this discovery, but I thought I'd turn you on to it to see what you had to say. Also, on a side note, are we supposed to believe that Ronan was actually bathing in the blood of his enemies during his little scene near the beginning of the movie? I didn't think about that until I rewatched it, and that seems to be maybe what was going on. Mm. Um, Because when he crushes that one dude's head, the blood runs down back into the little pool where he was coming out of. Um, one last point. Do you think we'll ever get to see Thanos wielding the Infinity Gauntlet and just tearing everything up? I mean, I think, I think that's definitely, yeah, I I think that's where we're headed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, Peter Quill's dad in the comics, his name is Jason. Yeah. Uh, and he is some type of emperor, if I recall right. I have, he is an emperor. Okay. He's an emperor. He's the emperor of the Spartax. Okay. Yeah. See? And yeah, because you've been reading. Your... Hate each other. Right, right. So, so Eason uh, is his grandfather, from what I understand, from what I remember. Well, and the the 
the gold figure that he talks about that we saw in the movie was a celestial. Yes, I was about to say was a was a celestial and and dude, can I tell you the 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 twelve year old in me started slapping me around. <laughs> And like, did you ever think you'd see this on the? No, not at all. I was like, he's yeah. like, you didn't tell me this was coming, old Steve. And I'm like, I didn't know, young Steve. I didn't know. I wanted to see the watcher, like uh, just oh. in the background watching it. And see, that's the other thing. Can't do they have watchers, or is that a Fantastic Four thing? Because he was originally introduced yes. in the Fantastic Four, and so I just don't know. I just, oh. Man, I wish Mickey Mouse would just bring his power to bear and get all these things back. <laughs> I wish Mickey would just be like, hey, we're going to take that now. Um, well, what's interesting, I just read, like, the last day or two, and I saw this on Ain't It Cool News. They had a, they had a post where um, uh, James Gunn has basically said that in relation to, to Peter Quill's father, he is not following... The comics, yes, for that. Yes, I saw so that on. I saw that's that going to be Jason. Uh, and yeah, and we're going to talk about that because I've got a, I've got the article from Collider. Okay, uh, and it's actually from a from an interview he did with Empire Online. Yes, um, and uh, and this is his quote. He said, "There's been a lot of documents passed around about who Peter's Quill, who Peter Quill's father is, between a select two or three of us, talking about himself, Kevin Feige, and, and whoever else. Is it Feige or Feige or Feige?" Uh, I think I'll it, go with any of them. Okay, uh, that's been part of the plan since the beginning. This is James Gunn talking again. That's something I had to work out before we shot the screenplay. We wanted to make sure Yondu's place and everything made sense, and it does. So it's all very specific stuff. That's a key right there. I think it's definitely not the character who it is in the comics. I'll say that much. He well, go- and I think I think that they kind of hinted at that in the in the movie also because when they talk about his dna mm-hmm. they mention it's from a really ancient rare species or race yes. and that just wouldn't be jason it's something very ancient and if you go back to what his mom said said he was made out of pure light yeah so like an uh, angel okay so let's just go ahead and do this um i think his dad's gonna end up being starhawk Okay. Who's Star? Um, okay. Who's Starhawk? Starhawk. I, I want. I think that's his name. Starhawk was. Um, oh my gosh! There's a game called Starhawk, so that's going to mess me up. Um, Starhawk was a character. Was it Starhawk? The one who knows is what he called himself. Um, and you're like the one who knows what? Uh, <laughs> he. Um, He's this being, and, he, and he's very light-based. Um, and he was in the original Guardians of the Galaxy back in the 90s, wh- wh- who are, you know, from the far-flung future. But br- so was the character of Yondu in the original Guardians of the Galaxy from the far-flung future. Okay. So, in fact, that in fact Yondu in the comics uh, from that team was from Alpha Centauri, I think. And his character was much more... Uh, Native American had a Native American feel to it. That red mohawk that he's got in the movie right. was is like a huge fin in the comic book, and he and he does control his arrows by whistling and that sort of thing. Um, and so I'm thinking that maybe Starhawk uh, could end up being the father of Peter Quill. He 
he uh he refer, like I said he referred to himself as the one who knows very arrogant but just did have was seemingly tapped into something greater than um than everyone else around him him understood right. um here's a quote from him I'm, I'm pulling this up on the wiki he identified himself and summarized his purpose by saying I am the wisdom and glory of your ancestors. I am the light and the giver of light. I'm your heritage and your destiny. I am the power that was Arcturus. Now, Arcturus is a whole thing in that comics. But anyhow, um, for a while, he actually shared a body with his wife, which was weird. Um, they would they would transform back and forth into one another. But... Um, but yeah, so that's that's my call, Erish. I'm sorry to go. I'm not sorry to go super geek, but I, no, I'm just go saying, super geek. I love it. <laughs> I'm just saying that with the things with those two clues at the beginning and the end of the movie, and with what uh, James Gunn has now said, that's my call on who his dad is in the. Comic. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think it's the most. I think it's the most realistic call. That, that I've heard so far. I've seen stuff like somebody's like, he's the Beyonder. And oh. my reaction to that was, do we really want the Beyonder in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Only if they're going to do a full-on Secret Wars, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Only if somehow, through some miracle of all that is good and holy, everything comes under the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> and we just get full-on Secret Wars. But it's got to be done in a mini-series kind of thing instead of just a movie because... Oh, give me that TV show now. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's that's from Will, um, and and I think you and I both agree, Erish. We're gonna we're headed toward Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh yeah, yeah. Def- I, well I mean, come on, San Diego Comic Con. They ended their Marvel panel with uh, with jo- Josh Roland, Roland walking yeah. out, just wearing the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. Yes, I, I he barely said anything. He, where know, he where is the Infinity Gauntlet there. and nothing else? Yeah, he just came out naked with it, which was odd for a moment. That everyone kind of cheered. You know, all the geeks went crazy anyway. So. Yeah, <laughs> so I I think we're definitely getting it. Yes. Um, oh, I think I think that's what you know. I think this is kind of our second glimpse into Phase Three. The first glimpse being what we thought was into Phase Two with that Thanos button at the end of the Avengers. Right. Um. But I think this this is our is our second real full on look into the direction we're going in in the third phase of these Marvel movies is we're headed to a cosmic level, um, and and it's going to be really interesting to see to me to see how they've done so well. oh my gosh they've done so well Eris you know you were on last time you were on is is right around the time that Edgar Wright stepped away from Ant Man right and um, and since then you know Kevin. Feige has been really open about it really is he you know he's told he said in several interviews look it really is just creative differences we just you know we have a a direction we're going and we have a way we're doing things and for whatever reason we couldn't get Edgar to fit into that and he couldn't fit into it and so he's like we're not mad at each other there's no anger we hate that it didn't work out but you know here we go it's not like and he said it's not like he's been working on it for eight years he's been petitioning us for eight years to do this right and um and so well and i think that right there plays into what you just said about the creative differences is 
you know, this is a movie that he kind of conceptualized long before the Marvel Cinematic Universe yes. started really taking yep. its shape. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before before Iron Man. Yeah. You know, and so but but so we're headed in this direction and and I don't see any signs of the wheels falling off. No, you know not it could so far. It, it could happen, but I don't see any signs of the wheels falling off. Uh, there is one thing that concerns me a little bit. Okay, and and in my opinion, we've seen this now in definitely two of the recent movies, in okay. Thor two, and now in Guardians. All right. I think the villains are really weak. Yeah, I can see. Um, yeah. It, you had an amazing actor in Christopher Eccleston playing Malakath, and mm-hmm. he was basically wasted. Um, he's just there's nothing memorable there about that villain, and likewise in Guardians with Lee Pace playing Ronin, he just he wasn't all that memorable. Although I thought he was better, they made better use of Lee Pace than they made use of of Eccleston. But in the end. They're just you know, if you look at Loki and how, as the villain, he stole the Thor movies and he stole uh, Avengers. Um, you know, their other villains just haven't lived up to that. I agree. I, I will and, agree with that. I, I think that um, <clears throat> you know, and and just well, let's. I mean, going through all of them, you know, uh, the ones with the most motivation have been Loki, mm-hmm. and. Um, Actually, I'll say I I really liked um, Red Skull. Yes. Oh my he, gosh. He yes. was fantastic yes. in the first Cat movie. Agreed. Agreed. Um, very memorable. But the, the villains of late, if and I think we're kind of just turning a blind eye to it a little bit because, mm-hmm. well, in particular with Guardians, the rest of the movie was just so much fun. Right. Right. But but you know they can't they can't keep giving us these subpar villains over yeah. and over again. But or you, we're just going to get bored with it. But you know, I was—I actually rewatched Guardians today, uh, right after work. I headed to the to the theater to watch it, and I really, uh, on my second viewing, Ronan stood out a lot more to me um, okay. than than the first time. Um, and I and I went with the same idea. I'm like, now what did he really do? <laughs> you know, I know that he was kind of the driving force behind everything that was happening, um, but we. I, I think with Ronan, it's like we don't really get to see his full-on motivation. You know, Alicia wrote the email. What was what was his deal? Yeah. You know, and and so I think we never really got his full-on motivation, and that caused that character to be weak. I I'll be honest with you, he's always been kind of weak in the comics, me, because he just kind of shows up and is is more of a destruction machine that just wants to wipe out whatever planet he's shown up to because he's, yeah. he is Ronan the accuser and these people stand accused, you know, and he did get to say that at one point. Um, with Malekith, it's a, I think it's the same thing that, that motivation never really got fleshed out because now in my head, I'm going back, you know, Obadiah Stane and Iron Man, he, to me, he's kind of forgettable, yep. but you knew where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, when he when he made the turn, you knew why and you knew what was going down. Uh, the Abomination in the Hulk, uh, uh, Tim Roth's character, uh, Blonsky, Emil yep. Blonsky. You know, you you took a journey with this guy until finally he was just so wanting to beat the snot out of this 
thing. You know, he was just a soldier and a fighter, and he wanted to fight, and he wanted to win the fight, that he went too far. Um, with with Vanko, with Ivan Vanko in, in Iron Man 2, Whiplash, you know, he felt like he'd been cheated out by Howard Stark. You know, Iron Man 2 has its own set of problems, but I love Iron Man 2. Um, and so, I'm sorry, I'm just rolling through all these villains here in my head. I did love the Red Skull. Loki, of course, I think everyone gives Loki a huge thumbs up in everything he does. Winter Soldier we were just introduced to, so I don't think we've got to spend the time yet with Winter Soldier um, that that we're going to. And I but think, the time we did spend, I, I, I liked Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, you me know? too. And, and, and I liked... I liked uh, Robert Redford's character also. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so those two characters as villains worked for me. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Do you think with Guardians, since since we're kind of talking that specifically, do you think that the presence of Thanos just really overshadows everything else that's going on? I think a little bit. Yeah, I, I kept waiting for Thanos. We're Spoiler, we're just spoilers out the window. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows. The minute okay. you step onto the show, it's spoiler, spoilers, right. spoilers to the wall. I was definitely expecting to see more of Thanos than we saw. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised that we basically had that one scene with him, and that was it. Yeah, the one scene, and then on the wall. Yeah, uh, I thought that uh, I thought that Ronan was going to be like the vessel that got us to Thanos. Um, and so I kept I kept expecting, and you know you get to that point in the movie where it's clear that that's not going to happen, mm-hmm. and part of me was a little disappointed in that um, because you know I'm excited to see Thanos. I want to see the big bad guy. Yes, yeah. yeah, you know it's like with the DC movies. I hope that they don't waste any time. Just bring Darkseid for just as go. Soon as you can. <laughs> that's right. Well, who else are you going to bring? Starro? Yeah, <laughs> don't jinx it, man. <laughs> Don't you call down the thunder on that one. <laughs> what if they do? You're going to get like a whole imp movie. That, that'll be the first Batman movie. It'll be Batmite and, uh, and Mixel Plick. Oh, yes, please. But, uh, I'll take but, yeah, it. Yeah, I just, uh, I just, I, I hope that they we get better villains. And I think yeah. we're going to get a better villain in Avengers 2. I think Ultron's definitely the right way to go. Um, the motivation makes sense for yeah. it, um, and James Spader, you know, if he's just going to be voice acting the way that uh, Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel did, oh, what a perfect choice! Oh my gosh, yeah, indeed, indeed. I, I'm just, I, I'm a huge fan of the Blacklist, mm-hmm. and almost 100 percent because of him. Because of James Spader, yeah, he just like chews the scenery apart in every scene, and it's just so much fun to watch him. Dude, I was a huge fan of Boston Legal and because of James Spader. Right. <laughs> I mean, he was so good in that show. Of course, he, you know, was a perfect foil for Denny Crane, but um uh but yeah, I I'm I'm interested to see because of the images that we have seen, I you know, they did a really good job of of kind of tightening down on footage leaking out and everything from that panel. Mm-hmm. Um which is fine. I'm not uh, angry about frustrated that. Frustrated me to no end. Well, it's frustrating, but you know what? It's like I understand it, and I appreciate them, you know, trying to do that. I spent the day or two looking for it. <laughs> oh, me too, sir. Don't worry. <laughs> Every free minute. What is it there yet? Is it there yet? But um, 
and I was in San Diego. Yeah, that's yeah. But you you were you told me you were having to man your booth and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's impossible to get into those panels, you know, when you've got a booth to yeah. take care of too. So, um, but but the images I've seen, you know, like with Captain America's shield broken, um, the art basically of of them all fighting and and you see the vision there in the sky. Oh, uh, but anyhow, yeah. did you read the Age of Ultron? Um, I guess it, I yeah, the, was the recent miniseries. Yeah, like yeah, the, the recent miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it fell apart a little bit at the end. Well, to me, anytime I, you I really start, dug. to me, anytime you start fixing things with time travel, it it's going to fall apart a little bit. But I mean, they really they that that whole thing takes you on a journey. Well, you but I, I think Marvel's got something bigger planned with all this time travel stuff. That's what I. That's what I've heard. I, because someone... it, they keep hinting at it in different books. You know, Angela coming in and yes. You know, now, now it's, I, I'm not going to spoil that for people who haven't read the comics yet. But you know, the the there, there's just a number of things. The the original younger X Men coming yes. back to the current yeah. line, yeah. which I think is one of the best moves Marvel has done in a long, long time. Were we? Just, Brilliant. I, th- I think we were talking about this the last time you were on. I think it was you that pointed out that Angela had come in from the Spawn universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, even as far back as, as when I was reading this new run of Guardians, I, I say new run, this was back around the time of Civil War and the Annihilus Wave and all that stuff, uh, the Annihilation Wave, um, that part of what they were doing from nowhere was kind of cleaning up blips in the space-time continuum. Like that was kind of their job, right? And and whenever there was a threat to that, that's what they went after. Um, and and in fact, early on in that early two thousands run, you had Vance Astro show up from the original Guardians. You had Starhawk show up from the original mm-hmm. Guardians. Um, and and that just jazzed me to no end. But uh, <laughs> but um. But yeah, it's it's interesting that you you mentioned something similar last time you were on that you think Marvel's getting ready to do that, and I just haven't been able to afford to to be into it like I've wanted to lately, and and it's killing me, especially if they're getting ready to do something big with the time stuff, because it it it'd be interesting to see how Marvel does a crisis type situation, you know, if yeah. that if that's what they're if that's what they're building toward, because they've never done that, and Joe Casada is famous for saying we don't have crises, we have character development. You know, so <laughs> that they undo great. that they'll undo with a deal with Mephisto. So, but anyhow, we're not here talking about all that. We're talking Guardians. Um, right out of the gate, uh, Erish, I you know you you gotta to me. I feel like you've got to just kind of give props for the casting of this movie. Yes, especially with your main team there from. From Chris Pratt to even Dave Batista as Drax. Uh, Dave Batista, who saw that coming? Yeah. <laughs> who saw him being well, so good at what he right. was doing? Well, and the thing is, when I when I first saw that he was cast as Drax, I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. You mm-hmm. know, just big brute, like, you know, he's the muscle of the team. He's just got to destroy everything. But all of a sudden, he's got like a soul. Yeah, he's got feelings. Yeah, and. Like he's getting me, like you know, like I was. He was by far the biggest 
the biggest pleasant surprise of the whole movie. He me. really was. He played that deadpan comedy so well. So but, you know, so that when he get when you get to the moment where they're crashing into Ronan's ship and he's laughing and cheering like he's on a roller coaster, it just owns me. It, yeah. It's just perfect. But but his deadpan comedy is done so well, you know. And and I was just I was super impressed with him. Well, and not only that, just the way they wrote the character too. He's basically a guy who. From the moment he's introduced to us, we just expect that he's going to be the guy that just destroys everything. Yes, yeah. And in reality, he gets his rear end handed to him a lot. Yeah, he re- well, because he's going after Ronan for crying. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, he loses a lot. Yes, and, and yeah. You just, you don't expect that. No. Well, and that's... And, and, and I found it really refreshing. I really like that. Yeah, and, and I like, I found it refreshing. See, my thing with all of these movies are how well they've done our main cast of characters in all the Marvel comics movies that they've, that they've done for the Marvel studios has put out. And with him, the moment that is key for me is after he's called Ronan and his cronies to nowhere and he gets his tail handed to him and Groot saves his life and, and rockets yelling at him for being the idiot that brought it down. And he just looks at him and says, you're right. Yeah. You know, uh, he learns from those mistakes. Right, exactly. He's not too proud to admit that he was wrong. Yes. And and so, yeah, Dave Batista was, was just fantastic. Zoe Saldana, who's just going to have her mark on every uh, aspect of geek genre culture she can, I, for, I, I expect her to show up on either one of the Star Wars spinoff movies or Episode Eight or Nine. Well, you know. she's going to be busy with a couple little things called avatar oh yeah that are coming out at the same time she'll find a way she's always only only the highest grossing movie of the sequel to the the three sequels to the highest grossing movie of all time do you really think they'll do all that well though i think so did you like avatar can i just i did i loved avatar i would definitely go see the new one okay i i was underwhelmed with it. I, I, I liked it. Okay. I liked it a lot. I liked the, the world that he built. And and these sequels aren't coming like as a reaction. Like The things that I've read about the movie and stuff is mm-hmm. that he's got like story Bibles established for this whole world hmm. and everything. So he's got a wealth of material that he's spent years putting together before they even started filming the first avatar. So yeah, yeah I'm trusting in Cameron and, and this big universe that he's trying to build. Yeah. I was just, I was a little underwhelmed um, by it. And, you know, yeah, I can, I've heard that from other people and too. So. My, my criticism, everyone said Fern Gully, but I'm like, no, it was kind of like Ernest goes to camp, only not funny. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> but, uh, but no, well, I, just one thing on Zoe Saldana real quick. Mm-hmm. If you guys, if you haven't seen Columbiana, I urge you to go rent or stream or whatever Columbiana. It's uh, this little action flick that she did a couple years ago. She plays a woman uh, seeking vengeance for her family, and she is awesome in this and totally kick, kick butt. And like, this is the kind of thing where. I really think if this had been like a guy cast in this movie, it probably would have been huge. Mm-hmm. But because it was Zoe Saldana, like, you know, right after Avatar, not a lot of people 
were big on her and stuff that it kind of went under the radar, but this movie is awesome. Yeah, I've not seen I heard it was really, really good. Um, she She's good. She's a great actress. I mean, I, I joke about her just being, you know, having her fingers in every genre movie she can get into because of, like, the, the Marvel stuff now and the Avatar and the Star Trek. But she... Um, uh, you know, from what I understand, and you know, I, I had no part in making of this film, of course, but from what I understand, she was very insistent upon as little prosthetic makeup as possible, and and doing everything as herself. You know, being able to act this part, and um, and so, you know, and she did a great job. Yeah, and and she had some great lines as well. You know, mm-hmm. I, you're trying to uh, entice me with your pelvic sorcery. <laughs> yeah, um, but the, in the moment where they're in the kiln, and and she walks through, you know, with everybody yelling at her, everybody calling for her head. She walks through, head held high, and then she sits down in her cell, and they just bang on the window, and she just does that little jump. And that look over to the side, and she just kind of, you know, gets that thousand-yard stare in her face. But you can just see kind of the sadness and the fear yeah. in, in her eyes. And it's just like she's a living weapon, but here she's scared. She's scared she's met her match. Right. And uh, and it's those little subtle things like that. I love Chris Pratt blew it out of the water. Yep. Um, you know, and, and we talked about this on Rock Out Loud when we were talking about the soundtrack. Since when is uh ain't no mountain high enough so emotionally gripping when he puts it in and you can just you know he's hearing music that he hasn't heard in years since he was a kid and it's from his mom and you see the tears welling up in his eyes and you just see just all the flood of emotion and it's like just that one close in one shot on his face just nailed everything that he needed to nail you know, aside from the comedy, which we all know Chris Pratt can do, you know, the moments where he gives his speeches, and he's a little bit, uh, he's still uh, insecure, you know, and kind of unsure about what what kind of man he's going to end up being here, but you, he's also convicted that he's going to be the right kind of man right. in this moment. And it's just, he to me, just he just, he showed us a whole different level of... Um, of who he was and and who and what he can do as an actor. Yeah. Um and you mentioned Vin Diesel with the voice of Groot and man Bradley Cooper. I didn't think of Bradley Cooper when I heard his voice coming out of Rocket's mouth. No, I was talking to I was talking to friends at lunch about that today and my friend was saying that she's like she's like I didn't know that that was Bradley Cooper until after the movie was over. She's like I can't believe it was him. It didn't sound anything like him. <laughs> and and I was like, well, you know, part of that goes to the skill level of the 3D artists who mm-hmm. created the character. That yep. it all came together so seamlessly that you didn't see this as an animated character that was being voice acted. You just saw saw Rocket as Rocket. Yes. Yes. You know, you didn't stop to think, okay, who's doing the voice for that? You just bought into that character right away. And very seldom did I, yeah. And that's the thing is, is they uh, did did ILM do this do the effects for this? 
Do you know? I'm sure there was probably like 15 different effects houses sure, that sure. Had, had a piece of the pie. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. But I, just specifically with the rocket stuff, I mean, I know they had like some kind of little stuffed raccoon on set for like eye lines and that sort of thing. Right. I, I saw a behind the scenes pic, you know. But there were moments when I when when you're looking and you're like, that's a real raccoon up on his hind legs walking and talking there. Um, the when he gets when they when they when they're going through the the whole when they're in the prison and they douse him down, you know, to clean him or whatever, and he comes mm-hmm. walking into the room all wet. Yep. You know, we've seen we've seen all the talk about hair and all this stuff before. This was wet hair or wet fur, if you will, and it worked. Like I was just like, there's a real wet raccoon in there <laughs> with with star lord yes yeah. you know and they're having this moment and uh oh they were so good it was it was just amazing what they pulled off with this um but casting wise i was just blown away i was blown again blown away uh, you know when when i see when you see uh john c riley in in the preview and he's like they call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. You know, you're like, what is John C. Riley doing in this? And, oh my gosh, then he has one of these great moments at the end, too. He's like, I have a family, and they're still here. Uh, he just... Yep. Uh, I was just... Every, Glenn Close. What was Glenn Close doing in this movie? Well, you, you have, like, two minutes to establish that she's the leader, so you need somebody with some gravitas. Oh. You know, she so it. I, I thought that was really smart casting too. It's like, okay, Glenn Close, leader. Yep, we get it. Yes, Move yeah. On. That's this is what I'm saying. It's like, listen, in in the in in the next three movies that aren't Avengers movies, you've got the likes, or in the in the past, well, in Winter Soldier, you got Robert Redford. Here, you have Glenn Close and Michael Douglas in Ant Man. Yeah, I mean, who would ever thought that these were people that would be associated with a comic book movie? Well, it started with Robert Downey Jr. It really did. You're right. You're and, exactly and right. They did, and, and this is one of the things that Mar- that the Marvel Studios guys have done so well from the very beginning, both in terms of the actors and the guys that they get to direct these movies. They don't think like a Hollywood studio does. Oh, we need like this twenty million dollar star to carry this movie. They think who's the best actor or actress that we can get for this part. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's that's a huge, huge reason why these movies work, because Robert Downey Jr. was born to play Anthony Stark, um, and <laughs> you know, and just across the board, Chris Pat Pratt born to play Peter Quill. Yes, in a way that you do. And, and it, but the thing is, dude, is like me as a fan. This is why I don't make movies, because me as a fan, I would have never thought. Let's get Chris Pratt in this thing. Yeah. You know? No, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have either. Just from watching uh, Parks and Rec, which I love. Oh, I love Parks. I and never Rec. would have seen him as a big action. No, hero. not at all. And uh, now I can't wait for Jurassic World next year. With I know, right? I know, right? Um, let me let's let's talk about this movie as far as the plot and everything goes. Because the thing is, is you take any element of this movie, and I can gush over it for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. That's how much I love this movie. Um, I, I've saw so much. I've seen rather so much praise heaped upon it online and everything. 
and and I'm going to get into some things. I've already gotten into a little bit of it, you know. Um, but I'm going to get into some things that I loved about this movie that I've not really seen anyone talk about, and it comes from the Marvel kid in me. But one thing that I've seen people say, and I want to I want to get your take on this, Eric, because um, because our connection comes back to the wars. It comes back to Star Wars, Rebel Force Radio, all that good right. stuff. A lot of people are making Star Wars comparisons, and I always feel like you got to be careful when you start throwing around Star Wars. For me, if you start throwing around Star Wars, you got to live up to it. And I don't mean this in a negative way at all, but when I was watching this, I never thought Star Wars. Um, oh, I thought Star Wars the minute I saw the first trailer for this. Okay, but what, what about this harken back to Star Wars for you? Um, just the fact that you've got this big space opera mm-hmm. and from the very first trailer, it just screamed fun. Yes. Yes. And it, it's so easy to forget that that's what the original trilogy of Star Wars films were. They were just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a great review of Guardians of the Galaxy on the Grantland site of all websites and you know Grantland was the is the website that ESPN's sports guy Bill Simmons started and it's uh, kind of a mix of sports and entertainment writing mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to find the reviewer's name right now but he wrote the review of uh, of Guardians and in the last in the last paragraph of the review and I'm paraphrasing so I may not get this exact but he said that James Gunn has basically done what a lot of other filmmakers try to do but don't know how to do and that they have forgotten how funny the original Star Wars films were Yes, and they all keep trying to make the next Star Wars film and they fail because they, they neglect to make it funny and he basically said that this is Zack Snyder's biggest fatal flaw is that he keeps trying to make Star Wars but he's forgotten that that it was funny Hmm. and I think that I think that part of the reason Guardians has done so well with such a wide spectrum of the audience Mm -hmm. was the movie was fun basically from the opening credit all the way to the end it had people laughing I thought they were brilliant with the, the soundtrack was great the way he integrated it into the story, but it also worked because all of those songs were songs that we know. Yes. So immediately yes. you feel a connection to yep. it. You're, I was, I was singing along with some of them in the theater and, and, and been, I've been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify for, you know, since it was announced and that guy at MTV created the playlist. Yes. So I've been listening to it in the office you know, but but you have that immediate connection, the footloose references, like all those kind of <laughs> pop culture references throughout the movie, it connects us to it in kind of a subliminal way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it just it, it makes you feel warm, it makes you feel happy, and you walk out of the theater just like, Wow, that was a great two hours. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, and you know what, Erish? They kept it to two hours. 
Yes. You, you another thing. Although you, that movie, I would not have complained if they had gone another hour. <laughs> Indeed. Well, like, you, come on, you got I want to hear the whole second mix. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what we talked about on Rock Out Loud. Is I can't wait for Awesome Mix Volume Two. Yeah. Well, see what's we're on there. Have to wait for uh, Guardians yeah, Two to get for, that for like five for like five years. Are you playing although, with? Although the. Uh, the soundtrack hit number one on the Billboard 200. Wow. It, well, it's worthy. Are you playing with Legos over there? Is that what you're doing? Uh, yeah. That's Sorry. A- <laughs> That's awesome. No, I love it. It's great. I, I subscribe to that Lego Netflix thing, Play. Yeah. So I had some Lord of the Rings set that I finished building last night, and I had to take it apart tonight so I can mail it back tomorrow and hopefully get the big death star superstar destroyer wow which I, are number one and two on my on my playlist so what it, so this they send you legos you put it together then you take yeah, it apart it's and just like it netflix except it's with a set of legos that is hilarious you build That's it awesome. you take it apart put it back in, they got these like mesh bags with zippers on them Put them back in the bags, mail it back, and then they send you the next playlist that's on your list. That's awesome. I've never, I've not heard of that at all. What's it? What's the site? Let's plug the site. It, it, uh, it's P L E Y Play dot com. Play dot com. So you could you could just Google Lego Netflix. That's hilarious, and, uh, and it'll come up. Um. So sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> I that's thought fine. it was being all quiet. No, we were talking about. No, it's fine. I I love it. I, I sit here. I've got. Uh, uh, a good friend of the show, Daniel and Indy, sent me just a pile of vintage Star Wars figures, and oh. and I've not gotten them displayed yet, and they're sitting here just in a pile on my desk, and so I'll sit here and grab one and open it up and just kind of fiddle with it a lot of times while I'm recording. Um, let's you you mentioned the pop culture touchstones and stuff, and I want to ask you a question. There's a moment when they're coming into the kiln, and he's talking about the orb, and he says, so this orb has a blue shiny suitcase, Maltese Falcon, Lost Ark kind of vibe. Right. Um, I get all those except the blue, the shiny blue suitcase. What what was that a reference to? Shiny blue suitcase. I don't mm-hmm. know that one. See, I don't either. And, and at first, I thought it was just a Pulp Fiction thing, but I'm like, no, he left Earth in 1988. There's no way. Yeah, and Pulp Fiction was a gold... Yeah, it yeah. It was a glowing gold suitcase. So I didn't I, I didn't get that. Well, let me... This is a segment we call Let Me Google That For You. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, did you already Google it? Because I'm, I'm Googling it right now. No, I'm Googling it right now to see... Um, I, think it, I think the line was blue shiny suitcase, but I can't... I don't see anything... Um, what is... What is going... Here we go. Here's, here's one. Um... Gee whiz. This is great podcasting right now. Um, yeah, dead air. Yeah, dead, dead air. Dead shiny air. Blue suitcase. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they put so much in this movie, though. Um, the MacGuffin. Here we go. Uh, Purple Jim saw just some instead ignores the trip. Starlum Shaft as a real Ark the Covenant Maltese Falcon Vibe 2. They don't even mention the shiny blue suitcase. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Anyway, um, so this movie um, kicks out. It it starts in a way that no other Marvel movie has. And by the way, can I just mention that with this film, there is now a big distinction between a Marvel movie and a superhero movie? And what, how, what do you mean by that? Well, because this this group though they are 
you know, powered different than what any of us normal humans are, and though you find out that Peter Quill's got some special stuff about him, they're not really superheroes. Yeah. This is a this is a science fiction film, um, and and it's and it's based in the Marvel universe, so it's a Marvel movie, and I and I and I really dig that. I dig that Marvel has now come out and said, you know, in kind of a way broken the mold of what people expect out of a quote Marvel movie. Because the next thing I feel like they're going to do this with will be Doctor Strange. Um, even though Doctor Strange gets lumped in with the superheroes, he's he's a little bit different, you know? He's that, when you get in that magic-based kind of stuff, and especially in the Marvel Universe, I don't, there, there doesn't seem to be as many Marvel-based magic characters as there are over in the DC Universe. Right. And, um, and so he definitely is kind of a standout uh, in this situation. Um, but well, also, let's, let's not forget that... Uh... Mr. Um, Tony Stark doesn't have any superpowers. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. But I, I feel he's like he's super smart. But yeah, but I feel like because of the Iron Man armor, I, I I don't know. Like I feel like you can go superhero with him. Um, I I don't know what what makes a superhero. It's not power because Batman's a superhero. I, I, so yeah. that, there's a neat question. Here's a philosophical question for us tonight. We're in the midst of Guardian. What makes a superhero? You know, is it is it the the circumstances they're put in? Is it the team they're given? <laughs> you know, is it that they're fighting super villains? What what's the deal? What's the deal with superheroes? <laughs> um, but no, I I'm just saying like this is a Marvel movie like we've got none of. And what's really interesting to me, Eric, is in this movie suddenly we see how big the stakes are, not just for Earth. You think about the last movie we saw, the last installment of Marvel Cinema that we saw, and I'm not really counting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, not not disparaging that show, just saying I'm just let's stick to the movies right now, even though Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of part of that universe. But the last thing we saw was S.H.I.E.L.D. falling apart in Captain America Winter Soldier. Right. And... You know, you're, you because of the scope of what Shield was and and how Shield was so important to the Avengers and the build up to the Avengers and everything, that's a big deal. And things on Earth are pretty grim because now this this defensive line against all that is apparently evil on in the world is, is kind of broken. And it because it was evil, you know, it had been broken from the inside out. In the cosmic scheme of things. It doesn't matter. There's a bigger threat out there trying to get his hands on these Infinity Stones so that he can wipe out, if you go by what the Infinity Gauntlet saga was, so that he can wipe out half of creation to impress Lady Death. Right. And and I I just, the first time I watched this and I was watching with some friends, I came away saying, guys, do y'all realize how big the stakes are now? That the next time we see the Avengers, yeah, all this stuff is going to matter to us because we're on Earth, not the you know, it's real, but you know what I'm saying. Yep. You know, but in the back of our minds, we know something bigger is going on out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that is huge. I think that is, I'm telling you, it's just so, this whole movie, man, I'm jumping around and I apologize for that, but but it, to me it's so cool. And even in the way that they started the film, they started the film with this little, um, with a, almost what you'd call a teaser of young Peter Quill and his mom, his mom dying and him running out and the ship taking him up. And as the ship takes him up, you go into that awesome Marvel fanfare 
with the Marvel logo. Right. Oh. Because I, I was sitting there while I'm like, why didn't they do the Marvel logo? When I, the, I watched it, it goes 1980. Yeah. I'm like, what? You guys, hey, you're in the projection room. You missed the Marvel logo. <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden he starts and the music swells. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I just, yeah. from that, I, I was just like, this is awesome. The, you know, this this is just awesome. And, and I was completely sucked in from there straight on through and you know the like i say the plot of the movie to me it shows us how much bigger the stakes are i i tend to agree with you a little bit on the villain side of things with ronan i also feel that way a little bit about nebula you know karen gillen was is, is such a good actress and she did a great job with what she was given but you really had to dig into the subtleties that were there to get into that character yeah um you know so the same so in the same way, I feel like, you know, Ronan was cheated a little bit in, in us getting to know him and, and stuff. I feel like Nebula was the same way. I wouldn't be surprised if Nebula plays a much, much bigger role oh. in Guardians too. Oh, sure. Listen, her cutting off her hand and falling away and jumping in a ship and taking off? Yeah. That's classic. This villain's going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I That's the thing is, can I, I mean... And you can call me wrong if you want to, and, and, and we can talk about it. But I feel like, and I'm sorry for talking so much, Eric. I know I'm not really giving you a chance to get a word in edgewise, and I'm realizing that. I'm being a terrible host, so please forgive me. But I will now continue to talk anyway. Um, there were so many tropes that are so common in, the, in these type of films. These hero-type journey films. And I'm a sucker for every single one of them. Um, but they also did little things to kind of turn them on their head. That moment where uh, Star-Lord, Peter Quill, whatever you want to call him, is giving him the speech, you know, we're all losers, we've all lost something, Yeah. you know, and, and now here's our chance to take it back. Here's our chance to do something right. And um, So what, you just want you just want me to stand up? Yes, and, and like they all end up standing up talking about... All right, here we know, are, a yeah. bunch of jackasses yes. standing in the circle. <laughs> Loved it. Here we are standing up, a bunch of jackasses. <laughs> that moment, I oh, was so good. The whole rocket having a plan to get out of prison, and the, and the leg, the leg oh. was great. And then later on, after Peter walks through the plan to go after Ronan, and Rocket's like, "And we need that guy's eye." <laughs> yeah, and he's and he's laughing. He's trying to contain. But the, yeah, but those little moments, like when they're all standing in the circle, you know it. It takes that trope of that moment of togetherness and it ends up turning it on its head and making well, it a little bit different. But I love those moments all nonetheless. I, I absolutely am a sucker for them. Every yeah, single one. It's not like this was an original idea. This, you know, motley crew of misfits who start the movie beating each other up and chasing each other around and end the movie like holding hands all kumbaya to defeat the bad guy. You know, it, it, we've seen that plenty of times before, but like you just said, it was all the little things that they did in between that that brought them together and, and that really made it work and, you know, made it fun for us to go along on that ride. Did, I'm sorry, let me rewind. Did you just go holding hands, kumbaya, defeat the villain? Yeah. <laughs> but, it was so but that's what it was. Come on. Oh. It was kind of 
kind of cheesy. Mm, but it made sense. You know, if, we, if we all hold a hand, but it, it, that, and that's exactly it. It made sense that it was them combined together. To keep, to keep the power at bay, to keep it... And to defeat the evil, to defeat the yes. bad guy. Like, yeah. It made sense, but at the same time, it's like, really? You're going you're gonna to beat Ronan the Accuser in his giant hammer by holding hands. It's like you're playing, uh, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Ronan on over. Yeah, but you got that dance-off just before the... <laughs> Oh, and the dance off is so good. I'm distracted. All of us are are just. We had the same reaction that Ronan did. Like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm distracting you, Turd Blossom. Yeah, yeah that was fantastic. <laughs> Turd Blossom. Did but no, the holding of the hands also had a scientific reason because that helped the power. It helped not, the power. Yeah, not. And yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. So, yes, I get that too. It wasn't but, just cheesy. It wasn't just a cheesy "let's hold hands" moment. No, I mean I get it, but okay. yeah, there was. I feel like you're crapping all over my movie now. <laughs> well, I'm not. I, I know. I'm saying it worked, but at the same time, it would have been nice. I don't know. Like when they were done, like just have Drax like fly over and like you know Superman punch him or something. Oh. Like that. Yeah, just a power bomb, just a big Batista bomb right there. Exactly. Oh, exactly. I would have yes. Batista bomb Ronan. Yes, I would have loved to seen some of that. Now I will say this: there was a moment when, um, when, when, when Drax, I think it was maybe the second time they were fighting just before Rocket runs him over. That Drax does a no, no. It was when they were going to hold hands, and he's reaching out to put his hand on, um, on Peter's shoulder. I don't know how much you've ever watched wrestling in your life. I have three nephews. But so. uh, but but when there's a tag team match, sure. yeah. Well, when there's a tag team match, and and you've got the dude, you got the good guy. He's been beat down, beat down, beat down. Yeah, he's reaching. He's reaching. reaching he's reaching. reaching, reaching yeah. for it. I was like, that was wrestling training right there because I could just <laughs> see the reach. I'm like, oh, that's from that's straight out of the wrestling ring there, buddy. Um, but uh, but he also gets to deliver that great line where he's like, "You've said it yourself. We're the guardians of the galaxy." Yeah. And and I just I I dug it. I really all the and the, and I guess my point is is that and you and you filled in the gaps very well because you said it's how we got to those tropes that made it work so well because to get to the handhold and first we had the dance off, you know. Yeah. Um and 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 everything that led up to this or turned those little moments on their head were just so. So well executed. Um, my my favorite line of the movie mm -hmm. was after Gamora talks about what a pigsty his ship is. He has no idea. He's like, she has no idea. If only we had a blacklight, this place would look like a Jackson Pollock. <laughs> I lost it. I was howling in the theater. And my nephews are just looking at me like, what's so funny? And I'm like, I cannot explain this to you. Yeah. No, I can't. Guys, it doesn't matter. Don't yeah. worry. Don't worry about it, guys. Don't worry well, about it. But that just, that, I, I still laugh thinking about that line. It was yes. so good. Yes. What What were some of your favorite moments throughout? I like that scene. I, I loved the confrontation in the in the public square. Oh, with yes. The four of them where mm -hmm. they, they're just chasing each other around and using all their weapons and gadgets on each other and all trying to get the orb. I thought that was really cool, really well done. Yes, yeah. Um, 
the whole prison sequence in the kiln I thought was really good. Um, and, and I liked the scene with Peter and Gamora where, you know, he, he put the headset on her ears and stuff. And, you know, she's talking really loud. The melody she's is still, quite pleasing. Yeah, she's never, you know, had these things on her head before. So that made sense to me that she would talk really loud. And then she sees through his ploy and like, I'm not going to fall for this kind of thing. And I, I just, I thought that that was really well written. I liked that scene a lot. Yes. Uh, and, and, and most of all, I just, I just, I liked how well-rounded all the characters were. Mm-hmm. I liked that Rocket lost it because, you know, he's being called a rodent and everybody's making disparaging comments about him and stuff. You don't see that coming, but I, I think we've all either had a moment like that in our lives or know somebody, especially as a kid, you know, you, you get picked on all the time or you have a friend who gets picked on all the time and they just have that moment where they lose it. Yes. Um, so that was just felt very real to me and unexpected from a talking raccoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <laughs> And I'd love to see where where Groot grows the 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 flower on his shoulder and eats it, and they're all just disgusted. <laughs> yes. Groot I... and, and dancing baby Groot at the end. I I need oh. one of those on my desk. Have you seen where people are taking those dancing flowers and just like building a Groot around it? Yeah, if we can have like talking singing fish for the wall and you know, dancing. Uh, Groundhog from uh, Caddyshack and all that stuff. We need to have a dancing baby group in a flower pot. Indeed, indeed. Um, <clears throat> I loved, like, like you were just walking through, and I'm like, yes, I love that part too. I love that. I love that moment as well. I, love, I just, I did. The thing, though, honestly, that just jazzed me so much about this movie were all of the blatant nods to the greater Marvel universe. Things that just brought me back to being a reader as a kid. You know, we talked about earlier the celestial that they show mm-hmm. and the fact that nowhere is, you know, a hollowed out basically celestial head, a dead celestial's head. Yeah. Um, you know, to to listeners who aren't familiar, the celestials were these giant celestial powerful beings in the Marvel comics. And, and there was one that was called the sleeping celestial. I remember that played heavily into a, uh, a fantastic four story arc back in the early nineties done by Walter Simonson. And, um, but these, these were beings of immense power. They, they're right up there with, um, with people like they're pro- more powerful, I think than even Galactus. Um, they're up there. And, and just the fact that they're on screen, just completely, completely blew my mind last time you were here dude uh, it was when i made the connection that these guys with the three circles on the just that's the nova core yeah and to have the nova core involved and you know and the and the not that i was ever like this super <clears throat> and they had their kumbaya moment too yes oh everybody locked ships together that was so cool that was ships so cool. holding hands to defeat Ronan, and then people holding hands to defeat Ronan. That's right. That's right. You got to come together. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be on the next. That'll be on the next one, yeah. If they can get it licensed. 
Um, the whole idea of these infinity stones, which I know has been blatant, I know, but it's just the idea that it's that they're there and that this is something that's being talked about. And you got to understand that as someone who read comics and who read these things, this is not something you'd ever assume would have been um, anywhere in the comics at all. I mean, or in the movies at all. You just never would have thought that this would ever be something that was done. Um, the uh, the stuff in the collector's quote unquote house. Did you catch any of those things? I saw on my on my first viewing without it being pointed out to me i saw the dark elf and the chitauri mm-hmm. um i never saw that cocoon even the second time i saw it i never saw the, the cocoon, Adam Warlock talk- cocoon. yeah yeah i've seen I, I saw it briefly in the theater basically as soon as we got to the collector mm-hmm. i leaned over to my middle nephew i'm like all right here's where all your easter eggs are gonna be yeah, yeah. and right away he's like i see howard the duck no he, way. He, he spotted him right away. He oh. knew that he was going to be in it, though, so he was looking for him. Um, and uh, he he noticed a couple other little things. But, um, I mean, that's one of the things that makes the movie so much fun is mm-hmm. that we get those moments in there like that. Well, yeah, the, those... I, I'm just wondering, is that has that been confirmed that it's definitely the Adam Warlock cocoon? No, but that's what... Excuse me. That's what a lot of people are uh, are saying that it is. You know, okay. if you go, if you Google Guardians Easter eggs, yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of the things that comes up the the cocoon and people thinking that it could be Adam Warlock. Yeah, and so do your homework, guys, and Google Adam Warlock. He plays heavily into the whole Infinity Gauntlet storyline and that sort of thing. Uh, Cosmo the dog. There's people that are speculating that he's Peter Quill's father, also. Yeah, I, I, I've seen I've seen, I've seen that, that speculation. Of, uh, I've seen, seen that, that in a number of things I read. Yeah, me too. I don't know that I, I, I I'm going to stick to my Starhawk theory for now. I like your Starhawk theory. Um, the, the Cosmo, the the dog. <laughs> um, Brilliant. You you know you you're reading the comics. Is he still? Is he still? Because as I recall, he what I re- just he was just in an issue of Nova. Okay. Like just a couple issues ago. He, he was in it, and I read it after I saw the movie. I'm like, ah, that's the dog. Yes. See, he was in the early, in the 2000s run, in the early aughts. He was, yeah. he was. I want to say he was kind of their leader. He and Rocket were always at each other. The thought bubbles, I don't have my Guardians comics anymore, but I remember the th- he, he spoke almost in thought bubbles as though he were communicating telepathically. Yeah, he does communicate telepathically. And everything was comrade and... <laughs> Yeah, because he's like this Russian space dog yes. or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, the pink alien at the beginning. I didn't catch this in in the first viewing. Uh, her name is Barit. Yeah. Um, Barit, I actually have the comics where she appears. She <laughs> she was uh, almost a kind of a videographer, if you will, who came to Earth to video the Hulk. And she ended up running around with Rick Jones and the Hulk for a while with this little floaty robot that basically took video for her home planet. And um, and when and when I caught it, I, I caught the name and I'm like, oh my gosh, I I know I should know that. I know I should know that. And so then of course I Googled it and boom, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember her now. And uh, she was it was right around the time when um, Bruce Banner. This was just before. Uh, the Grey Hulk stuff. He had taken control of the Hulk's mind. 
And so he could hulk out at will. It was right around the Secret Wars time. Um, and uh, and so she was there for, for some of that stuff as, as he was had kind of taken over the his the Hulk's mind and was and was in Bruce Banner as the Hulk for a while. Then they went off to Secret Wars. I'm gonna geek out Hulk real quick. They went off to Secret Wars, he came back, he lost control. Hulk went completely savage. They sent him to the crossroads of infinity. He came back thanks to the Beyonder of all people, and um, separated from Bruce Banner. They found out it was killing Bruce for him to be separated from the Hulk, so they merged him back together, and when they did, something went wrong, and he came out the Great Hulk. But anyhow, <laughs> um, so so that was that was a cool thing for me, um, just as someone who you know had seen these things. The Sakaran Warriors, they referred to Sakaran Warriors aboard Ronin's ship. Um... Sakar is where uh, Planet Hulk takes place. Yes, and um, and it makes you know. There's been a lot of speculation that that we may see Planet Hulk oh, as the uh, next that one. That would just make me so happy. Yeah, if they can pull, I, you know, I keep saying if they could pull it off, that'd be a hard one to pull off to me though, because you got to have so much Hulk in there. It, I don't know. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> we just. We I just saw a movie with a talking <laughs> raccoon and a tree as the main character. I understand. I don't I, think a movie with, like, all Hulk all the time is a problem for I, these guys. I know. I understand that. I understand that. And there is that piece of art from Avengers 2 that shows the Hulkbuster armor fighting Hulk. So yes. maybe, maybe Avengers 2, like, you know, the rift starts to happen with Banner and the Hulk where... You know they need to kick him off planet. Well, I've I've read some things where people are saying that Avengers two ends, and I don't know where people are getting this information. Of course, it's just rumors, I guess, is what I should say. Rumor alert, ladies and gentlemen, that Avengers two would end with Banner being sh- rocketed off into space, and they think that what we're more likely to see than a Hulk sequel would be the Hulk show up in the next Guardians, which I think would be interesting. But I, I don't think you need that. Though. I don't either. Listen, I, I, I think it, I think Guardians proved on their own that mm-hmm. they they can fly on their own. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's still an idea that the Hulk can't fly on his own. Um, even though box office wise, the Incredible Hulk did better than Thor and one of the other ones. Yeah, um, I think that I think that that's that. Thinking started to change with Avengers, though, mm-hmm. uh, because Hulk was really one of the highlight moments of the Avengers movie. Yes, yes. And I think that the Marvel and Disney folks started to see that and started to see how people really took to Hulk. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how big and what kind of a role he plays in Avengers too. And I think if, if it's anywhere near what what happened with Avengers one, then. I think we'll see a standalone Hulk movie. I, I hope so because I understand the Hulk's like right up there with Superman for me. Um, yeah, I love. He's like one of my. So that's why I've kept referring to. I, I know. To, I know. I have referred to him, and I also realized how much interaction he had with aliens throughout his run. I mean, he was married to a green chick named Jarella at one point, and this was way before the Planet Hulk stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the whole Sakaran Warriors. Uh, aboard, and of course the Howard the Duck at the end. Um, Just, that was awesome. That was out of left field and amazing. 
it's just great. And, uh, you know, and it makes you, and it's one of those things. It's like, well, does that mean we're going to get Howard the Duck? And I'm kind of like, I hope not, but I hope so at the same time. <laughs> I, I don't think we will, but that said, I would love to see a scene in Guardians 2 where you just see Rocket and Howard, like, tearing a bar apart together. Oh. Yeah, I, I just... Yes, yes. I just think it would, just, like, just a little random thing, and that's all. We don't even need to know why. They're just in there drunk and, you know, started Donnybrook. Yes, a thousand and, and times. And it ends, and we move on, and we don't see Howard again, and I would just be on the roof with that. Um, really quickly, from the chat, uh, Alicia has gotten us... Director James Gunn has confirmed fan suspicions that Marvel hero Adam Warlock makes a cameo in cocoon form in Marvel's latest offering, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. He, he confirmed as much on a spoiler-filled podcast for Empire Magazine while listing the other... Tre- okay, I'm going to have to get this podcast. Um, while, list, while listing the other treasures in the collector's warehouse of unique trinkets and objects from across the galaxy. Um, she also brought up... Did Alicia, we call her the Admiral... She also brought up that in Iron Man 2, um, or in Iron Man, that they were talking about buying a Jackson Pollock. Um, making that, people are making a lot of weird connections across the Marvel Universe with stuff. <laughs> and, and you have to wonder how intentional are some of these things. Like the whole 12%. Um, yeah, I have 12% of a plan. Right. Um, you know, when he tells Pepper in Avengers, yeah, I'll give you about 12% of the credit. It just, you know, is, is it just that it's a random number or is there a reason? <laughs> well, but it, it could just simply be that they're, they're little things that they're putting in because people wind up writing about it. Yeah, indeed. Talking about indeed, it. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's the same thing with the Infinity Gems. Look at how many... Discussions have been had had about those. Blogs have been written about those. Magazine articles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All of a sudden, people who never knew what an Infinity Stone or the Infinity Gauntlet before was are talking about it. Yes, yeah, and and again, as a comic book fan from way back, there's part of me that's like, I was there first, but then there's another part of me I'm like, I'm so glad you guys are all in on this with me now. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it is. It's just nice to know. Um, <clears throat> that uh, that that this stuff is getting out there, and Marvel's done it so well. And I wanna I wanna run something by you before we kind of close out here, um, because I okay we we mentioned earlier it was mentioned in an email that this is what Green Lantern should have been, uh, yeah. or this is kind of the the model that they should have looked at if you will if they, if it had been there. Um, <clears throat> it's no secret that people are split on their take on Man of Steel, how they come away with it, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, now with Batman 5 Superman Dawn of Justice or Batman V Superman Dawn of Justice, um, you know, some of the some of the information that has come out about, you know, how long Batman has been Batman and, and such as, uh, it just seems like and you even you even referenced something that you know the review that someone had mentioned that Zack Snyder you know didn't quite understand about fun the fun aspect of it. I just I feel like that Marvel Studios has hit on a formula 
that has so many parts to it, you know, from as we talked about the casting and that sort of thing. But I also feel like one of the big things that they do is is they don't try to be smarter than the source material. Yes. And I feel like with our DC movies that we've gotten, um, I say movies, I really feel like mainly with Man of Steel, I think I think the disconnect is, is, is in a way they tried to be smarter than the source material. That they, yeah. they they tried to say, well, we're going to elevate this now to a new level, and it's like, well, this character has been around for seventy five years, and and there's a reason that the character stuck around. Why? Because that movie, on if you look at it on paper, should have been as well received as this. The casting was great for that film. Yes. The the acting in that film was great. My biggest problem with that film wasn't even the destruction; it was the shaky camera all the, all over the place. Um, but there was just there was something just slightly off to me, you know, when I came out of that movie. And uh, I'm not a hater; I'm not someone who just bashes it continuously. I own it. Uh, I love Superman. I love that cast. But I'm wondering, and 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 maybe I can get you to comment on this, you know, because you deal with literature, you deal with all this stuff. Is is that the thing? Is that one of the things, if you will? Is has Marvel said, you know, we're going to trust our source material and just roll with it? And I think that's a, I think that's a huge part of their success. We, we're seeing that they're not a slave to what the comics are doing. They they clearly have the stories that they tell in the comics. They clearly have the stories that they tell in the movies. But Tony Stark in the movies is Tony Stark in the comics. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel with him. They're just telling a slightly different story. And maybe some of the the, the C and D level characters, they change a little bit. Same with Guardians, same with Thor, like, you know, with all the movies. They're, the spirit of who these characters are matches to the legacy and who the characters are in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that's – and they found a way to do it where the audience like you and I who have all these long boxes of comics and our history with these characters goes back years and decades and stuff. The movies work for us, but the movies also work for people like my sister who loved Guardians of the Galaxy and didn't know who any of these characters were before she walked into it. Um, so they're able to find that happy medium between the two, the, the audience that has expectations based on the comics going in and the audience that has no expectations and just wants a good story. Um, and, and I don't think that, I don't think that the DC movies are doing a good job of that because, you know, they're trying to reinvent the wheel left and right with mm-hmm. stuff. And, and I don't, and, and I was not. A, I think there's a lot of flaws with the Superman movie, mm-hmm. um, it, beginning with why he doesn't save uh, save Pa Kent. That whole scene was just ridiculous <laughs> to me. The guy can move at the speed of a bullet. All he has to do is go, "Hey, look, everybody over there!" And when everybody under a bridge turns their eyes, he runs and grabs his dad and comes back, and he doesn't have to die. Right. That right. was just silly to me. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and that's and, and that's and, and the, it, but it all start it 
it's all Christopher Nolan's fault because it started with his Batman movies. And I'm not even going to start <laughs> ranting about the third Batman movie, which was just a horrendous train wreck in my point of view. But. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, <clears throat> you know, this is a safe place to geek out. And there are people who love, I've got a good friend who he absolutely loves The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, he puts The Dark Knight Rises up there with Empire. And, you know, to me, I'm like, what? Um, I thought Batman Begins was great. I really, really did. The with, first one was good. Yeah, with with The Dark Knight, I thought it was great until the last 15 minutes. Um, and, and then with Dark Knight Rises, the first time I saw it, I thought it was great. And then I saw it again and started thinking about things. I'm like, it falls apart. But you take... You take the Dark Knight, you take the Joker out of Dark Knight, and you know I. I oh, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I see. I know. Exactly, I, I, see what you're I like to say that Christopher Nolan's gift as a filmmaker is that the audience thinks they saw a better movie than they actually did. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I mean, I, I've got issues with a lot of his movies. So. Wow. All right. Well, that that'll be a fun thing to come back and talk about during the winter months when nothing's when really going on. When Interstellar comes out, there you go. Oh wow, which I'm really intrigued by. By the way, I, I, I'm not. Okay. Well, there you go. Because <laughs> I'm not drinking the Kool Aid on that. I hear you. I hear you. I, I like you. Didn't like the Prestige. Uh, I, it was so long ago that I saw okay. it. All right. It was a. Uh, I, I'm not crazy about magic movies. Sure, okay. Because, because you don't get to actually see the trick happen. It, it, it's too easy to make the trick happen in a movie because we're so used to seeing the unbelievable happen in movies. Right. Whereas, if you go see, you know, David Copperfield live and he makes an elephant disappear on stage, you're like, how did they do that? But if you see that in a movie, it's like, well, you know, they just edited it together that way. So right. movies like that that are based on magic, you know, that recent one about the the, mat, the team of magic people who were pulling the heist didn't work for me either. Well, I, I, I don't know how we got – I do know how we got here. I'll just say this. The Prestige I really like because it, it was it was the story of the characters that, were, that, that you had going on in, in – they didn't try to trick you into thinking, you know, I don't know, it wasn't about the magic so much as it was about the, the characters. I, I thought it was a great yeah. story. Um, uh, as far back as Memento, I thought Memento was, I can't watch Memento again. I watched it one time, and I'm like, I feel like it loses its luster because of the way it's put together after that. Um, but anyhow, I, just back to the superhero this stuff. This is why I love coming on Geek Out Loud. It's all the little weird tangents that we wind up going. Well, off that's on. I mean that's what the show is. It's, it's also why we wind up with like three hour podcasts. That's well, yeah, that's right. That's why I end up with three hour. You're exactly right. So guilty. It's fun, man. Guilty. Um, but no, I, I you know we got here because I was just talking about these Marvel movies, and and I'll be honest with you, over the weekend, uh, I went back. I've not watched Iron Man in a long time. And so I popped it in, and I was like, "This is a really great movie. This is yeah, fun." Iron Man was great. Yeah, this is fun. This is compelling. And then I'm like, "Well, since I'm doing this, let's just go ahead and release order." And I popped in Incredible Hulk. Now, granted, I have a bias toward the Incredible Hulk. I have a bias toward that character, but I'm watching. I'm like, they did a really good job with this movie. 
And I the, like the second Incredible Hulk movie. This is yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm like you know. Yeah, th- this there's was, a lot of cool stuff in it. Yes, and you know all, all the nods to to what had come before were just right. I thought all the Easter eggs that needed to be there were there, and I'm like, this is really good. It's and it's so far removed from where. And what's also interesting is see how far removed it is from where we've come. And I'll tell you this. I'm one of the few people who are who is a fan of Iron Man too, you know. So then I I'm like, well, I've got a couple of days left in the weekend. Let's pop in Iron Man two, and I'm doing some laundry, watching Iron Man two. I'm like, I'm enjoying this movie, right? You know, I'm I'm in I'm having a good, especially when, and it's the same way it was in the theater for me, especially when he starts finally discovering that new element, you know, because we're back in Iron Man one territory, yeah, you know, of the building and the discovery and all this cool stuff. And I thought that in fight scene was just great, with all the drones and him and War Machine and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, this is really good stuff. And that's about as far as I got. No, I'm sorry. I watched Thor again, the original Thor, which is another movie that I dug. I completely was into that movie because I also am a fan of Thor in the comics. There's some great scenes in that movie. Yes. Just the whole scene where they're eating breakfast in the diner. He (laughs) smashes the cup down. Another. It's just like fun little things like that. Well, you know what? One of the things I love, and, and and Loki, I feel like really came into his own in Avengers, for a lot of people. Yeah. But Loki in this movie, they played it so well, because yeah. because he never winks at the camera. You know, he never really gives a gives this weird kind of nod, and right up till the end, when he takes out Lofi as he's about to kill um, Odin, you know, you're like, oh, he is a good guy. You know, if you don't know him, you're like, oh, he's been doing all this just to get the Frost Giants. He's a good guy. Right. You know, and then, oh, no, he's not. He's about to destroy this realm. And so it's just like, this is a twisted character who's got a lot of layers to him. And they played it so well. There was never the wink to the camera that, oh, I'm evil. And I'm watching this. I'm like, this is just a really good movie. And so, and I keep, and and we talked a little bit about it, like I said earlier, with the Ant-Man thing last time, that now I'm sitting here, I'm like, when are they going to stumble? When are they really going to trip up? They might have done it with Iron Man 3. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I, but see, Iron Man 3 is kind of hit and miss with me. I thought they did some real, one, I love Shane Black. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was really excited about him writing and directing Iron mm-hmm. Man 3. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is just such a great movie and really one of the movies that helped put, uh, Robert Downey Jr. like back on the right track yeah, again. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought that he did some really ingenious things in Iron Man Three, especially the whole turn with the Mandarin that none of us saw coming. Right. Right. I thought was really really smart. Uh, well. My issue with Iron Man Three was that Tony Stark was never in the suit. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And. and and you go to an Iron Man movie because you want to see Tony Stark in the suit. You yeah. don't want to see him, like, you know, remote piloting a suit or whatever. And there was a couple scenes where, you know, you're led to believe he's in the suit the whole time. And it turns out he's not. And it's just like, ugh, I just felt kind of deflated. Right. I, I, I think that's a valid criticism of that movie. Um, and, and, you know, my criticism was a lot less valid because I didn't like the turn of the Mandarin. <laughs> I did like it, but I didn't. I was so torn. I was like, I was the geek that I'm like watching it after that goes on. And I'm like, 
I should be enjoying this movie, but I can't because they screwed up the Mandarin. And I'm not even a huge Mandarin fan. I'm just a comic book fan, you know. Right. But they, the, but they write it all that in that one shot of All Hail the King, which I think is a great move when the Ten Rings come yeah, to kill have, him. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, you need to check it out. It's so good. But um, because just it's more... Real quick, because we're talking about the Mandarin. While I was out in San Diego, uh, we had a little dinner, a little Star Wars dinner. Yeah. And uh, sitting at the table next to us was um, Sir Ben Kingsley. No way. Did you say hello? No, we didn't because, you know, he's <laughs> sure. just trying to eat with his people. A lot of other people went up and said hello. Oh, okay. But it was still kind of cool. Yeah. And, uh, and we all noticed it except for John Jackson Miller. And about 10 minutes after we noticed it, then he noticed it. And <laughs> it just his reaction to seeing him was priceless. It nice. was just awesome. I love it. I love it. But I'm saying, I guess what I'm, I guess the point I'm trying to get to in the midst of all this is we've come a long way, man. We've yeah. come a long way from Tony Stark in a cave putting together an Iron Man suit. Well, and I was just reading something online today that because of the success of Guardians, it's now possible that Marvel Studios is fast tracking in humans. Wow. And, that, and humans might be part of phase three. See, and that blows my and, mind because and that we might see the inhumans interacting with the Avengers before we see the guardians interacting with the Avengers. Well, the inhumans are on the moon. Yeah. And that blows my mind because I really thought the inhumans were a fantastic four property when, when it comes because that, you know, I mean, they, they have, they're links. not though, because it, a lot of people believe that this whole Theron mist and humans story stuff that's been going on in the comics mm -hmm. is in part because Marvel studios, because uh, they don't have the rights to the mutants yeah. in the movie universe, right. that these are their new mutants. Okay. All so right. they'll be able to create characters in the comics that are basically mutants yeah. without calling them mutants and incorporate them into the movies. I'm all about it. I, um, so they definitely have the rights to the Inhumans characters. Yeah, well, yeah, I knew that. I mean, I'd heard that kind of stuff, and I'm just like, it, it's really a head-scratcher. because I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what falls under the banner of the Fantastic Four and the X-Men over with Fox. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd love to, to me, it would just be awesome to see that list because you know, there's a list and, oh yeah, some, some lawyers got a folder yeah. on their computer that, you know, you open it up and it's characters under our copyright. And do you remember a couple of years back when they started, when, uh, when Marvel studios started treating these characters like our comic books would be treated and they started trying to trade off? When they were like, "We'll let you keep Daredevil," because the the rights to Daredevil were, yeah. were were lapsing, and they're like, "We'll let you keep Daredevil if you give us Silver Surfer," <laughs> and they're like, "No." Fox was like, "No, you can have Daredevil," and Marvel's like, "Okay, Netflix, we've got some awesome ideas for some series." <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for that. I know. I it's can't wait. they leaked a picture of Daredevil like last week, and I was just like, "Yes, I missed that." I completely yes. miss that in like in the full Daredevil suit. No, or? no, just Matt Murdock. Okay, like, okay, no, I did. Yeah, I saw so that. Excited. Yeah, I did see that. So good, so good. And uh, you know, it's just it's this it's this mo it's this mindset that Marvel Studios seems to have of we're going to progress forward almost fearlessly. You know, to the point that at the end of Guardians, it says the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. You know who else has done this and been really successful with it? Who's that? 
Pixar. Yes. They're yeah. in a lot of ways they're following the same mindset, the same mold that Pixar has used. Who thought a, a, a talking fish movie would be successful? <laughs> and you know, Lantern, who, thought, yeah. who thought a movie about an old man and a little kid who attached balloons to his house and float away to some lost island would be a huge hit? You know, you think about all the Pixar movies and how out of the box they thought with all of it. It's what Marvel's doing also. Yeah, that's a great point. That is a great point. You know, I heard Neil Adams in an interview with Kevin Smith talking, and, and, and basically he was being a little disparaging of Marvel Studios. He's like, they don't have any of the good characters. And and he was referring to they don't have... They Spy- don't have the big three. Well, I guess. I guess Batman, he, Superman, Wonder Woman. Well, no, he was talking about they don't have Spider-Man, and oh. they don't have Wolverine. And, you know, and I was just like, but wait a minute. Captain America, you know, the in the Marvel universe, the big three have always been those three primary Avengers: Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man. Um, and uh, not from not from a marketing point of view, not no, from a marketing. Right, king. right, right. But I'm talking about from from a storytelling point of view, as far as just the Avengers go, with because for years Spider Man wasn't a part of the Avengers. No, you know. But- but at the same, but at the same time, like there was the Avengers and Thor comics. There was like four monthly Spider-Man. Comics. Uh, oh yeah, right. No, no. Spider-Man is the poster child for Marvel. No, I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what Neil Adams was saying was that basically Marvel Studios was backed into a corner to have to make something out of these characters. And I was just kind of like, I don't know that I fully agree with that, but I see where you're coming from. And by the way, they've knocked it out of the park. Yeah. You know, I. Well, they've knocked it out of the park so much so that the studios that have Spider-Man and X-Men characters are now trying to do the same thing that Marvel Studios is doing. Right, right. You know, they're trying to build a Spidey-verse and, you know, do a Sinister Six movie and stuff. And they're plotting out all their X-Men movies like way in advance and teasing us at the end with Apocalypse and stuff like that. Right, Which I don't... I don't know. I, you know, did, let, let's real quick. I, I got to let you go. It's so late. Um, <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm having fun. Don't I am too. It. I am too. X-Men Days of Future Past. What you, Did you see it? What did you think? I really liked it. Yeah? I, I liked it a lot. I, I thought it worked. I came away a little bit underwhelmed. Um, I, I was hoping for, I don't know what I was hoping for, um, but... I, I don't think it was a bad movie, but it's it's one of those things I'm kind of weird about because I don't I don't think it was a bad movie, and I enjoyed watching it. But at the end, I was like, I think what really bothered me, I'm like, so all this happened so that nothing could happen. Um, you know, how much should we undo? How much did we, you know, because we at least undid a big part of X two, um, with what happened in Days of Future Past. Spoiler alert, by the way, everybody. Um. And so I guess I'm just a little confused, but you know I'm willing to stay on board as we move forward. Um, obviously, Brian Singer is I think is in the right spot to be to be running the ship if he stays there. You know, if he doesn't get another Superman gig and walk away. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No. Um, no. <laughs> just... Well, I think I think the smart thing they did with the new X Men movie was I I think it was smart for them to clean the slate. Because now they have options. Now they can go back and they can do, 
They can do a young X-Men movie, you know, pick it up a few years after with the younger actors, or they can go back and they can do an older X-Men movie again with Patrick Stewart and and those characters and be able to start fresh with it. Yeah. I, I thought it was really clever. Yeah, I mean it's it's it it was an it was an interesting way to to do it and it'll be interesting too to see how it plays into the next Wolverine movie as well because I I really thought that I, I don't know if you saw the standalone Wolverine movie but yes I was pleasantly surprised by that yeah I liked, yeah I liked that the whole movie was basically him dealing with the the fallout with of what he had to do in X Men three yeah. Yeah, which, you know, and we just, on our exclusive podcast, we just did um, a commentary for X-Men 3 because I've been monthly doing an exclusive podcast for Patreon supporters who, and and I'm trying to go back and watch movies that people generally don't think are very good and trying to make them good the first that would one. would be one. Yeah, well, it was, and, and we had a good time watching it myself and, 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 and one of my co-hosts for another show. You know, we watched it and we talked about it through, and we were like, you know, this works for us. Here's what doesn't work: they tried to put too many storylines into into an hour and a half. Right. But overall, this is why this movie worked for us. I did it. The first episode I did was Spider Man Three, and I actually did that by myself. And about forty five minutes in, I'm like, yeah, this was a mistake. This isn't a good movie. <laughs> uh, I did remember. You get, did you did you even get to the jazz club scene? Oh yeah, yeah. I had to sit through the whole thing, but then it became a game of like, all right, we'll see if this can. I'll start giving it points, and I'm like, if we can get to, if we can have one point when this movie's over, we'll say it's redeemable. We couldn't even I, get. It, it, there was not. We had to I, take. We were taking away points, giving points, taking away points, and at the end, it was a flat zero. Right. And, I think for me, one of the things that always winds up being uh, a bit of a disappointment with the X Men movies is. Because they're so focused on Professor X, Wolverine, mm-hmm. Cyclops, Jean Grey, we none of the the B C level characters that we yes. like, like Colossus, yes, characters like that, really get any screen time. And you yes. know, they tease them in the trailer. Or you'll see a magazine article with like a picture of them and their costume and stuff. It's like, yes, we're finally going to get to see Colossus in this, and then he's in it for like two seconds, and I think the X-Men cast is just so huge. There are so many of them that, you know, everybody has their favorites. You're a Jubilee favorite or you're a Blank fan or, you know, you're a fan of this guy or that guy or whatever that you're never going to be satisfied because those sub-level characters don't get in it enough. Well, it, you know, and the thing is, though, if they if they got their ducks in a row with their X universe, there are several things that could happen at Fox. One, you could do X Factor. You know, exactly. Bring, you could do the New Mutants. You could do. Yep, you could do Excalibur. You could do yes. Generation. Oh my X. gosh, you could do Excalibur. Um, you know, and meanwhile, if they'll get their Fantastic Four stuff right, listen, there is a BA Fantastic Four versus X Men four part miniseries from the eighties. That is solid that they could do. I, I have that. Yes, and it's a solid read. I forget who wrote it, but I just remember it being really... It's It was a lot darker than the stuff I was used to reading from Fantastic Four. And it, it had this tone about, well, I don't understand why they're fighting, but okay, we'll do it. And and it just worked. I think it'd be, a, I think it'd be killer to try to adapt that to the screen. In some form or another. 
you know, and and I feel like you know if if you want to if you want to copy what they're doing at Marvel Studios with the characters that you have access to, start doing some of that stuff. You know, with Sony's kind of in a corner with Spider Man, even though he's got a great cast of characters around him. Yeah, but they made a huge mistake killing off Gwen Stacy. Oh, uh, I, I think I think uh, it could be a fatal flaw for them. I agree. I just, uh, there was no reason that had to happen. No, no. I mean, it. It. I was shocked. I, you know, because on one hand, you expected at some point in their series for that to happen, but not in the second movie for crying but, out loud. But see, that's, and I think that that's one of the things that Marvel Studios is doing so well is just because it happened in the comics, we don't have to make it happen in our movie. Right, right. Well, especially when you see how good a chemistry these two people have on screen. Well, right. and I mean they're together in real life too. I mean it's it's coming that mad, that chemistry that they have in real life is there on the screen for us also. And and I just felt it didn't it undermined her character in the movie because her whole stance the whole movie was was you're not going to be with me because my dad told you not to like you know I make my own decisions this is ridiculous and his whole thing is I can't be with you because something could happen to you and so basically it's just her dad was right in the end <laughs> and, and that's what it was. and I don't want to live in a world where dads are right <laughs> her dad was right in the end yeah and it just undermined her, her whole character's arc in the second movie yeah yeah, and don't put her in the same outfit from the comic. Like you just telegraphed that to mm. everybody that it was going to happen. The pictures leaked online of her, and everybody's like, "Dude, this is the same outfit she wore when she died." Well, and I also wonder how. I also wonder how much energy they put into you know what? Let's really try a goblin outfit that looks like the comic. Let's not try to go Power Rangers or skin or skin condition. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> of course, that was more of an ultimate Spider-Man version of Goblin that they had in in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Um, which again, I just feel like when you've got someone that substantial, don't get rid of them right out. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I had such. We talked about this last time. I had such mixed emotions about that movie because there were moments that I absolutely loved, particularly that very end scene. You know where he yep. where he asked the kid to step aside that he's got it now. You know, and I was just like, that's so good. But the rest of it, I'm like, why are we? No, stop. What? Huh? And to know they're doing a Sinister Six movie, I'm just like, I don't know that I want to watch a movie that's all bad guys. You know, I I'm I, I'm I, I'm interested simply because I, I want to see Mysterio. Uh, and we've talked about that. I yeah, agree. Yeah. I love the idea of Mysterio being in there. Yeah. If they'll bring him in, if they'll yeah. use him, you know, they they may choose not to. But I think it's uh, it's it's interesting what what kind of what they've done to themselves over at Sony, and and you just well, and you just they're trying they're trying to force speed things. They're trying to put square pegs into into round holes. Right. Right. And Marvel Studios isn't doing that. I think they're being very organic with the way these move. I, I, I felt they did that a little bit in Iron Man too. Agreed. Agreed. You know, they they tried to f- start force speeding all the pre Avengers stuff into yep. it, and, yeah. and I think they they realized that they made a mistake in doing that, and kind of learned their lesson from it. Yeah, and then um, and then they even turn around and fix things a little bit by having um, 
Oh, what's his face? Uh, the senator. Yes, Gary Shanley. Gary Shanley, thank you. Be yep. Hydra. And I love Hydra. Yep. I love, Hydra. I love the meme that's going around. It's like that time Tony Stark kept Hydra from getting his hands on the Iron Man armor. Yep. <laughs> and it shows the, the Senate hearing from Iron Man too. I'm like, thank you, Internet. Thank you for that. So. <laughs> um but yeah, they're just they're organic with the way it all works. Yes, yes. And I think that's the key. They're picking great creative talents. Mm-hmm. They're plugging them into just the right places. They have, they have. I think they have their skeleton. I think they have their skeletal outline of where they want things to go, and uh, and from there it's just like, well, let's play. What have we got to play with? Yep. And and I think James Gunn just did a fantastic job to bring it back to Guardians. I think he did a fantastic job with the toys that were in the toy box he was given. Yes. Because you know when you start throwing in some of the when when the biggest stories that come out are the Easter eggs that we see in there, this is a guy who's like, let's just let's just throw it all in there, un unafraid, unashamed, and let's just go all out. And well, and also, you, you say the toys that he was given. That toy box is much larger than really any of the other filmmakers have yeah. had so far, because he basically had the whole Marvel galaxy. Yes, yes. To play with. And so the restraint that he used, too, and that I don't need to get everything into this movie, I thought is, you know, is admirable also. I kept waiting for the Shi'ar to show up, you know, and, and, oh. and things like that. And are we they, didn't get any of that. But again, are they X-Men? <sighs> you know, that's that's the that's the thing you run in here. Curse you, Marvel. Well, they were mentioned, going... weren't they? Was the Shi'ar mentioned? I don't know. You're the one who just saw it again. Today. I know. I don't. I, I don't. I was going. My plan was to go see it this afternoon, sure. and I just I got hung up in the office. I understand. I I don't remember hearing the Shi'ar mentioned because okay. I would have I would have whooped and hollered at that one. Well, I like to think that it, anything that takes place in space, like this, is part of it. I agree. I listen. I'd love to see Gladiator come flying in out of nowhere. Um, and, and, well, and you know that somebody at Fox is going back through that list of characters right now. Like, please let the Shi'ar be on this list. Please let the Shi'ar be on this list. <laughs> yeah, X-Men. we need to do X Men in space. X-Men exactly. In space. Well, wasn't wasn't Professor X involved with uh, like the yeah Lalandra? L- yes, of the Shi'ar for a while. Yeah. Um, I uh, uh, you said that, and it made me think of something else. Is that there's a there's a skeleton that peter quill kind of looks at when he at, in the opening bit when he's uh when he's doing this dance to i just saw that as like a little nod to raiders of the lost ark yeah i did too and some people are saying it's you a know, horse head like beta ray bill though there was uh, yeah i don't know if it was the skeleton i saw something where it no i think beta ray bill is in the collector's collection oh i didn't see that then i i Thought I saw somebody write in one of the Easter eggs that you could see what they thought was Beta Ray Bill in, in the collector's collection. Yeah, that skeleton in the beginning, I just saw that as Forrestal. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, the, the Guardian's version of uh, the, the guy, the, the first archaeologist that got there. Holy crap, dude. I'm looking at this thing right now, dailysuperhero.com. Um was there a Beta Ray Bill cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy? And and there's a picture, a screenshot here, and it's got Howard the Duck, and then 
down in the in the corner from where Howard's at, there's someone sitting there in a red cape. It looks like their head's down, but it looks like there's a little hammer in there with them. In one of these in one of these uh chambers that the collector has. That is that is amazing. I just you know, in a world where people can ask, Hey, is Beta Ray Bill I put the link there in your Skype chat. Um, hey, is is Beta Ray Bill in, in a movie? Who's talking about Beta Ray Bill? <laughs> yeah. Beta Ray who? Exactly. Of course now he showed up in the uh the animated movie, the Planet Hulk animated film they did. Yep. That went straight DVD because they couldn't use Silver Surfer. Ah, in interesting. That. I like that Planet Hulk movie. I did too. I did too. I thought they did a really good job of adapting that whole story to that yes, to that time frame. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> see you down there? Isn't that cool? That is crazy. Now I've got to go see this movie again. And I'll tell you this. I'm not a fan of watching things in 3D, but the only time they had today oh, where I could see it, it. And it's got the Deadpool yeah, up there on the thing on, yeah, on, too, the, on the side, which was a lot of fun. That was it was so that was cool. It makes me wish they would go ahead and get that done. Yeah. Um. But I went and saw this in 3D today because it was the only time they had, and I got to say the 3D for this movie was really well done. Everything stayed clear the way it needed to. There wasn't even in the fast moving stuff. There wasn't too much motion that caused me to get dizzy. A lot of times I don't like uh, 3D for these things, but this really worked. I thought in 3D. So, and I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, by God, is there nothing that I don't like about this movie? And when it comes right down to it, man, I... That it ended? Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, I hate that it's over. I hate that I'm not still sitting there watching I was it. sad when it was over. I'm yes. like, oh, I didn't want this to end. Isn't it so good, though, to have a movie like that? That it's like... I, I, I... I would have liked to have seen more Thanos. Yeah, agreed. Because I felt like we got the teaser of him already, and like I just wanted a little bit more. Um, and then, and like I said earlier, I just wish that there was more to Ronan than we had. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But you know, I again, I go back to in the comics. I the times that I the comics that I have that have Ronan in them, I was never really blown away with him as, as a character anyway. Yeah, you know. Um, as far as the Thanos thing goes, you know, these movies, and I said this several years ago about the Marvel stuff, before Avengers came out, I think, like during Phase 1, I told a friend of mine, we went and saw, maybe it was after seeing Thor, we walked out, I'm like, you know what I love about these movies? It's like reading a comic book. You know, these are these are unashamedly comic book movies, and I'm like, yeah. and, and, and I'm just loving that. And so these little touches, like the stuff at the end of the credits... Uh, the stuff with Thanos in this movie, even though it's not as much as we want, you know, but yeah. it's there and his plan's starting to kind of take shape. It reminds me of reading comics. It used to kill me when I'd be reading a comic and they would cut away with an interlude for like three panels. And you're like, what the, this has nothing to do with the story. And like, but something lurks It does such and such. And you're like, oh yeah. my gosh, what's going to happen? We'll see them, you know, at another time. And the, I remember one story, I can't remember what comic it was, but every month they would do about three panels of someone walking into this house and you'd hear a scream. The door would shut and you'd hear a scream. And the next month you'd come back, someone walk in the house, door shut and you'd hear a scream. And then you came back. Finally, there was an issue of the comic where the hero ends up at that house and you see what it is. It's some little brain sucker thing that's in this room. That's It's an alien taking on the 
trying to act like a rich person and he gets all these servants and he just basically drains them of their life force. And sounds like something from Family Guy. No, it wasn't though. That's the thing. It was a comic and it might have been a Hulk thing. And so when he finds the Hulk, he was all excited because here's someone of phenomenal power that will never run dry kind of thing. But and the Hulk being during the Gray Hulk days, there was a lot of offbeat stuff Peter David was doing there. But I just remember for a few months leading up to that you would see these panels you're like what is going on in the same way with the thanos stuff here dude i've got silver surfer silver that's harder to say when you're trying to get on a roll silver surfer comics where i was first introduced to thanos not where thanos was first introduced but the first time right. i remember reading him and he shows up with silver surfer and starts taking silver surfer around the galaxy telling him he wants to kill half the galaxy and you're like well that's a twisted man and then it was like a year and a year and a half later when, boom, the Infinity Gauntlet stuff hits. And I'm like, oh, I remember this happening back here when I was reading the Silver Surfer. Right. And, and so I dig the fact, in a way, that they're doing that. Do I want more? Sure. But I dig that they're, they're just planting seeds, man. It's, it's really, it is a comic book universe kind of thing yeah. that's taking that shape. And, and I think that's what I, one of the, I don't think, I know that's one of the things that I'm really, I've really dug about what Marvel's been doing. One of my favorite little moments in all of the Marvel movies so far, and it, to me it's a very comic book moment, is it's in Thor 2. It's when the attack on Asgard starts. Yes. And Thor kind of sort of, gallantly and, sh and you know just sort of launches himself self off the balcony mm -hmm. and Mjolnir flies in and he just grabs it and rockets out yes. from the city. I love <laughs> yes. that little bit. It's just so cool. Yes. It's oh. such a cool Thor moment. It's like something that you would see in a Thor comic. Mm -hmm. Um yeah just one of my favorite little things. Oh I was you know I was really glad in Thor too that we got to see him flying around more it, clearly, more clear than what we did in the first Thor. That was one of my more disappointing things I was more disappointed about in that first Thor. We never yeah. really got to see that flying super clearly. Uh, but, yeah, that was a cool moment. Listen, I love the end when he's driving those spikes in to, uh, to, to Malekith and the music swells as he's going for that last one and as he steps up to the, you know, on the, on the pile of debris and he's getting ready to launch into him. He just holds his hand back behind him, and Mjolnir, who's been flying through all those dimensions, yeah, finally just, gets to boom. him. Oh, uh, now I'm going to have to go watch Thor: The Dark World tonight. Well, I, I love when uh, when Nat Natalie Port when Cat Dennings sees Mjolnir fly by, and she's just like Mjolnir, meow meow. <laughs> oh yeah, meow meow, <laughs> meow meow. <laughs> I'm telling you, I these I, these Marvel movies. By, I mean, secretly, we all want. To like be able to walk around, with, I, I would love to walk through New York City with Mjolnir. Oh, indeed! Heck Just yeah. calling down the thunder when I need to clear the sidewalk. <laughs> Taurus, be gone! Yes, out of the way, <laughs> weaklings! More? What? I like this drink. Bring me more. Yes. Oh, so anyhow, well, um, dude, we got to wrap it up. Final thoughts about uh, about the Guardians. Oh, just well. I am gonna go see it again. Yes. Um, and I, I, I love that they've already greenlit the second one. Uh, I love that James Gunn is talking about the second one already, and mm -hmm. it definitely sounds like that the second one was well in the stages of planning. 
uh, a, a while ago. So this isn't a you know fly by the seat of the pants kind of thing. That, oh, we're going to make a second one. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was just fun, and it's nice to go to a movie and just have fun. Yes. Yeah, and you know, because as great as Cap was, it was you know, it, oh. it's not a fun movie. No, it's it's not. It's it's, it's a heavy movie. Yep, and, and yep. it worked for it. Mm-hmm. But you know, this one, just a good time. Yes, yeah, and I, it's been a while since we've had that. I completely agree. Um, you know, it's uh, there we go. There you go. <laughs> For me, it's it's a thing where in this whole phase two of the Avengers uh, movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's been there's been kind of the Act Two ending of everything with Iron Man. You know, he's he's okay at the end, but he he's almost thrown away Iron Man as he tosses his his little chest arc reactor out into the ocean off the coast of Malibu. You with with Captain America, everything's in disarray with Shield. In Thor, Loki's on the throne at the end. In this, it almost feels like that first happy part of some kind of trilogy. And you know it's going to get bad with Thanos still out on the horizon and everything. But Batista's chillaxing, reading a book, and That's Baby right. Groot is dancing away. <laughs> That's right. Uh, for and now. Gamora and Peter making little goo-goo eyes at yeah. each other. And for now... Just- for Just now, all is well. That's right. For now, all is well. But we know it's coming. But I love this movie, and if you haven't seen it, you've been spoiled to death on it. Go see it. Air Sean of Ice. Thank you so much. Hey, good uh, time. For coming so, on. Uh, I had a blast. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for having me on. This was a lot. Always a ton of fun talking to you, my friend. You'll have to. You'll have to come on again and again and again. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Geek Out Loud at Steve Glosson at Darth underscore Duff. On yes. the Twitter for Arish. Uh, on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash geekoutloud. And let me make sure I get this right. Facebook.com slash Star Wars Books. Yes. And uh, and that's how you can keep in that's touch. That's our uh, Delray Star Wars account. Delray Star Wars account. Uh, you can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Head over to geekoutonline.com for our weekly schedule. Uh, the Goliverse Wall of Fame, where you heard us earlier. And the Goal Insider, our newsletter, our email newsletter, and to buy a t-shirt there. If you want to be on the Wall of Fame, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Support the show. Get that exclusive monthly podcast, which I've got some new ideas for that. We're going to be we're two episodes into that thing, and I'm changing it up already, but I'll tell you about that soon. Well, until next time, I'm for Erich Schoenweiss. I'm Steve. Erich, can't thank you enough for being a part of this. I had a blast, and I look forward to talking some more stuff with you down the road, my friend. Me too. We'll see you next time, guys, on Geek Out Loud. What kind of